Hello and welcome to the Yggdrasil Podcast. I am your host, Reddit Oscar. Today we have HMK with us, a Zelda YouTuber. He focuses on Zelda a lot. Um, welcome, HMK. Thank you for coming. Oh, of course, of course. It sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Could you tell my audience a little bit about your channel and what you do and what you cover predominantly? All right, awesome. So, uh, just like Rad Tosker said, I cover a lot of Zelda. I'm a huge Zelda fan. I grew up with the series. I love it to death, and I'm extremely excited for what is coming up for the future of the series. Uh, I deal with a lot of theories. I deal with a lot of breakdowns, predictions, and I overall get like really hyped and excited for all things Zelda. And I also cover Kingdom Hearts, Nintendo, Square Enix, but you know, Zelda will always be my first and number one love. And basically, to round out everything what I do on my channel is to get you excited and to make you think about the possibilities at hand when it comes to these franchises. How uh, how how long have you been in the Zelda fandom? What was your first one that you played? Okay, so the first Zelda game technically that I played was uh, The Legend of Zelda, but I was extremely young at the time. So, I mean, like, the only time I actually remember playing an NES game, which my first ever game was Duck Hunt. And uh, when it comes to Legend of Zelda, the first one, like, I played it, but it didn't really stick with me up until I played A Link to the Past. So I, I often consider A Link to the Past, like, the first true Zelda that I, you know, played and cognitively remember. But then after I touched Ocarina of Time, it, it was over. So right. I, I was there from the beginning. Right. And which one's your favorite uh, now that you've been with the, with the series all the way from the beginning, pretty much? You know, with the release of Breath of the Wild for the longest, I, I was I was just so wowed, impressed, and like everything when it came to covering that game going into the release, uh, I was extremely what was the word I'm looking for? Um, like I, I was overwhelmed by the game so much so that I'm like, okay, how good can this game be? How good? Like my expectations were. were shattered when i played breath of the wild mm -hmm. and i often consider that game to be my favorite going forward at that point but as time goes on you know like i i i start gravitating back to my old love and right now it's battling within my heart <laughs> where it is the like my favorite Zelda game at the time so i mean i kind of consider them both at this point where it's breath of the wild and ocarina of time right but hopefully tears of the kingdom is going to change all of that yeah here's hoping here's hoping <laughs> i uh i've been I've been, one of the earliest games that I played was Ocarina of Time, and that one was my favorite for a long time. It might still be my favorite now. It's, it's hard to tell with Zelda. Um, right. But uh, I transitioned, like, I even though I've been in this, this content creator space for about two years, I never made any Zelda content because I was busy making content for, like, Elden Ring and Monster Hunter. Um, right. But then I realized, hey, wait, I love Zelda games. I think Zelda games are <laughs> immaculate. Like, they're perfect hero's journeys. I think they're perfectly told. I, I have so many good things to say about Zelda games, and now I'm a YouTuber, and I've got a, a sizable um, following now. It's like, I wonder if I can transition into Zelda making it. Like, every every little Zelda fan uh, dreams about being a Zelda YouTuber and making Zelda content. Uh, and that's pretty much what, I, what I've tried to do. It's worked out so far, I think. Yeah, I've seen the channel, and I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I really thought the algorithm was going to give me a beatdown for a while. It did the same thing when I tried to transition to Monster Hunter to Elden Ring and try and focus on those things specifically. Uh, but this time it was like, you know what, I think I'm starting to get how your channel functions. I'm going to let you um, get a pass here. Have, have your normal view numbers. <laughs> no, no, um, no penalties for you. 
it's always a coin flip when it comes to the algorithm and stuff. Just like, man, I really want to do content that uh, I'm not really known for. Because, like, one thing when it comes to content creators and YouTubers that the audience often misperceives is that, hey, this content creator only focuses on, on Zelda, Kingdom Hearts. And then when they find out that I play games like No More Heroes or mm-hmm. uh, other video games I'm not known for, it's like, wow, you play those games? I'm like, yeah, I actually play a lot of games. Then why don't you do the content? It's like, you know, the <laughs> algorithm... You know, not too kind sometimes. Because I've kind of um, just been doing whatever I want the whole time I've had this channel and just uh, jumping around from flagship series to flagship series or and talking about little uh, irrelevant things uh, here and there, interspersed, uh, one of the running jokes that I have is unsubscribe from my channel. And it's a, it's a long-standing <laughs> run, and joke, but I'm kind of serious because it's like, man, I don't know what, what I'm going to produce, you know, next week or, or next year. Uh, if you're here for like Elden Ring content and you're really, you subbed for a, for a specific kind of content, uh, I can't guarantee that that's the content that I'm going to be doing going forward, you know, so you might as well unsubscribe. If, it, if I make a really good Elden Ring video, it'll probably pop up in your feed. That's very true. You know, <laughs> like a lot of people's like, bro, I only subscribe for this type of content. I'm like, well, I mean, sometimes I want to experiment and whatnot. And hopefully if the algorithm is really kind to me, you're going to see this anyways. So, mm. so I was uh, looking through your channel and I was like, all right, where should we start? Because there's there's a lot to talk about, like a lot's been going on <laughs> in, in Zelda yep. space. Uh, but I thought that this was probably the best one. I saw your video where you were talking about, I, I guess it was from a stream. It's a clip from a stream you had. Mm-hmm. Um where you're talking about the whole, uh, is Breath of the Wild a good Zelda game? You know, it's a oh. bad Zelda game. <laughs> and that was go, actually yeah. the first video that I that I covered on my channel. I made I made a video covering that topic. And I thought, I loved your video. Like, I thought it was hilarious. I loved your reactions to, <laughs> to it. So um, I thought we could start with that. What, what do you think? Is Breath of the Wild a bad Zelda game? Oh, by no means. No means. You know, I, I've, I've been seeing that hot take a lot ever since Breath of the Wild first came out in 2017, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people like to use a lot of, I would say, conjecture when trying to drive that point home that, you know, Breath of the Wild is a good game, but a but bad Zelda, Zelda game. game and, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I really dislike that argument when it's used in an incorrect context because I feel like a more correct context, because I was literally talking about this on the stream not too long ago, where... When you try to apply the argument of good game but bad blank game to a game like Zelda or Breath of the Wild, it doesn't really work because Breath of the Wild is still, in essence, a Zelda game where it's an adventure game. Uh, the game revolves around puzzles and combat. You know, it has all the makings of what makes Zelda a Zelda in it, but it's just applied in a different way. I feel a better argument for saying that, A, it's a good game, but a bad blank game is something like, which I feel like transitions into Tears of the Kingdom really, really well, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later, Mm -hmm. is Banjo and Kazooie Nuts and (laughs) Bolts. bolts. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good game, but it's a bad Banjo-Kazooie game because there's nothing about the game that makes it Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie is always about being uh, a platformer in these, you know, very specific worlds and levels. And, you know, I remember following that game up into release. And then, like, one thing that really stuck with me when it comes to the developers talking about Nuts and Bolts going into release was that, hey, this game is going to contain about 2% platforming. And I'm like, bro, what? (laughs) And, you know, I played Nuts and Bolts. And it's a fun cart building, like, vehicle building adventure game. But it's it's not a Banjo-Kazooie game. So, you know, good game, but bad Banjo. Right. You can't really say that for Breath of the Wild because it still has puzzles, it still has combat, it still has exploration on way bigger scale right. than any other Zelda game. And so seamless to that, to any point of any open world game that I've played because I love open world games. And I feel that the, you know, 
the genre is a bit oversaturated at this point, but Breath of the Wild was literally a breath of fresh air when applying that to the game. So much so that Nintendo feels the need to call it an open air adventure instead of an open world adventure, which I get because, you know, the, the uh, verticality in that game is unlike every, anything I've ever seen in terms of uh, open world game. And I've played Assassin's Creed. So when it comes to the whole idea of Breath of the Wild being a bad Zelda but a good game, I just like it, it, that doesn't make any sense. I understand that people didn't like how the Divine Beast function as dungeons. You know, I, I personally liked it. Because I went in with the mentality that Nintendo was pro promoting this game for the longest. In which this is going to challenge conventions of Zelda. So much so, so much so, so much so. And that D the Divine Beast was definitely one. Now I'm not saying that Breath of the Wild is perfect. But I'm saying it's a really, really, really good game. It's, you know, one of the best Zelda Zeldas ever. You know, the game uh, features a very limited enemy variety. Uh, a very limited boss variety. The music is, you know, something, it leaves something to be desired at certain points. And I never thought the story was bad, but the presentation of the story definitely needs some work. And I feel that these um, aspects are going to be refined and fixed when it goes when it comes to going into Tears of the Kingdom. But to say Breath of the Wild is a bad Zelda is just so, you know, I, you know, lack for lack of a better word. I would say a bit ignorant because Zelda, even though there has been formulas and formats, you know, I would say coming from the 3D formula going into Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, and in the top-down Zeldas like Zelda 1, Link to the Past, Only Between Worlds, Minish Cap, Oracle Games, yada yada, and even the touch games with Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. This is a concept, this is a genre, this is a style that constantly evolves and gets more refined, right? And Breath of the Wild only came into being thanks to the big domino effect that was started with Twilight Princess going into Skyward Sword, going into this game. Because, uh, and I feel a lot of people didn't realize this, and a very interesting comment was left on that video specifically, and I'm like, okay, I get how people are like tackling this retroactively, but that still doesn't make it a good argument, in which, you know, a lot of people's first Zelda was Breath of the Wild, or a lot of people's first Zelda was Twilight Princess, which was like the star of the domino effect, in which they went back and played Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Majora's Mask, and then they played Skyward Sword afterwards, and Breath of the Wild afterwards, and using Twilight Princess as a focal point, they used that as a slight against Breath of the Wild and how that game was tackled. But the reality is that growing up into Zelda and seeing everyone playing Zelda from Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask to Wind Waker, uh, the Zelda formula became that. It was a formula that a lot of people expected. You know, Dungeon 1, Dungeon 2, maybe Dungeon 3, and then get the Master Sword, second half of the game, right? That was a formula that was tackled in Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, and Twilight Princess. And at Twilight Princess, if you, you guys had to be there. 2006... It reached a boiling point where a lot of people were like, okay, Zelda's getting way too formulaic. We need to see this changed up. You know, a lot of people didn't want Twilight Princess Plus Plus Plus, right? And this is going off people that played Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Majora's Mask before that, right? So then Nintendo decided to change things up with Skyward Sword, and a lot of people didn't really like the linearity or the motion controls. I loved both. You know, I thought Skyward Sword was, once again, another breath of fresh air, something to, like, change things up for Zelda, and it had an amazing story and art style. Right. But then... Nintendo took that to heart when it's like, okay, this game's a bit linear, you know, we want people to truly have that big open adventure, I guess they want to dial back to what we attempted with Twilight Princess, and Twilight Princess overall was pretty barren, even though it was the biggest in Zelda at the time. And then we get Breath of the Wild challenging the conventions of Zelda even more so, more than Skyward Sword uh, attempted. And that was due to everyone saying that Zelda was getting a little too formulaic. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how Breath of the Wild came into being. And it still is a Zelda game, you know, 
through and through. Now, of course, I keep saying this time and time again, that as much as I love Breath of the Wild, going into Tears of the Kingdom and showing what and seeing what they are showing off, it really makes it feel, even when playing the game, that Breath of the Wild was a big experiment, right? It was a very successful experiment, but it was an experiment nonetheless, right? They were testing things out, and I feel that all the good that has originated from Breath of the Wild will be refined to the point in Tears of the Kingdom that's going to make Breath of the Wild look like an afterthought. And Man, I sure it's hope gonna, so, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it, it's good. I'm 100% confident in Nintendo, and Zelda, and then you know Zelda keeps again refined, changing, and as long as you keep keep the core aspects of the game, in which you know you are Link, you must use your ingenuity, your talents, your items in order to solve these puzzles, and you know clear out the enemies using different aspects of combat and how you decide to tackle each situation going forward in the game. That's what makes Zelda a Zelda. You know, and that's my take on it. I know I got a little like, you know, <laughs> winded on that, but that that's that's the whole aspect of it. So I want everyone to like understand like all points of application when it comes to like viewing how Breath of the Wild came to be being and that it is truly a Zelda game and one of the best. So you brought up a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um well, okay, let me let me give you my take. Um, first mm -hmm. of all. I actually hate the phrase uh it's a good game but a, but a bad zelda i actually just don't mm -hmm. like that phrase and the reason i don't like that phrase is because it's not even because necessarily they they're not saying anything useful or or that they're wrong exactly that's not why i don't like it it's because it's said in the exact same way it's the exact same sentence it's said in the exact same way by everyone which like for sure means a lot of the people that are saying it didn't think of this on their own. Like they didn't they didn't come up with this sentence on their own. They say it in the same tone. They say it in the same annotation. You know, they they emphasize on the same words whenever they're explaining their argument. And it's like I hear it over and over and I was and I'm just like some popular YouTuber popularized this phrase. <laughs> <laughs> nice opinion. Did a YouTuber give it to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and and it's become this whole thing. Um they're just parroting this idea that they got somewhere else. And we'll talk about whether it fits or, or not in a minute, but it, that that's what really annoys me about it. I, I'm not arguing with a person at that point. I'm arguing with like the same person <laughs> over and over <laughs> over the course of years um, because they, I mean, people have been saying that since Breath of the Wild was released, you know, 2017. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, okay, so, I get where they're where they're coming from. I get what they're saying. Uh, I made I made that video talking about it. Where, look, Zelda Zelda has been this thing for a long time, and a lot of these iconic elements that Zelda has had consistently over the years that people loved were removed in Breath of the Wild, and they really didn't have an adequate replacement. Um, you talked about the the divine beasts. I actually did hate the divine beasts. I hated the divine beasts. Hated the shrines. Uh, it's not even okay. You know what? Maybe that's not fair. It's not even that I hated them. I hated them in in relation to the fact that there was no proper dungeons. You know, if right. they if they were there and then there were also dungeons, like I wouldn't I wouldn't give. I thought, oh, these are neat. These are great. These are wonderful. I, I don't care. Uh, it's just that they the fact that they they are supposed to represent what was their attempt at replacing dungeons. They're a poor uh, replacement for dungeons, in my opinion. Um, you know, in, instead of some 120 shrines, how about you have 60 shrines? And you devote the the resources and the manpower to make the other sixty and turn them into like two or three dungeons, and and put them across the map, something like that. Uh, 
the, but the Divine Beasts weren't bad necessarily. I thought I went back and I played them um, recently and I looked at the kind of puzzles that were in there. I was like, these are some kind of nice puzzles. You know, these are some kind of nice um, interaction. It's actually very clever because the beast actually is kind of in the overworld. So they were they were restricted in what they could do with it. Like they're limited to what, the fact that these Divine Beast mechs are out here and they have to move and you have to be able to uh, mess with their moving parts. And I thought to myself, imagine what they could do if they actually had an actual dungeon, a proper dungeon, that's in a kind of separate space, kind of like the shrines, and they have unlimited room to work with. They don't have to restrict themselves to this tiny um, Divine Beast format. Like, they could do something amazing. They could do something incredible in, in Tears of the Kingdom with, with elements like that. I definitely agree. You know, because... I, I, trust me, I really, really did want tr uh, traditional Dungeons back. Uh, after playing the Divine Beasts, like, you know, I enjoyed them, but I do agree in the as in the sense that they are not a good replacement for traditional dungeons. Mm. And um I would definitely want to see how they would tackle something like that in a grander sense. Because, you know, uh, looking back at it, you know, the Divine Beasts were kind of small. They were they were they definitely were tiny uh in comparison to more traditional dungeons and whatnot. And I feel that Nintendo definitely was like dipping their toes right. back into the idea of of traditional dungeons within the DLC of Breath of the Wild, the Champions Ballad, that final dungeon. I'm like, okay, see, this is this is what I'm talking about, but bigger. Make this bigger. Mm -hmm. Right. And considering that the Divine Beasts are probably gonna be nowhere to be they're so far in all the trailers for Tears of the Kingdom, they're nowhere to be seen. We so can't I wanna see yeah. assume yeah, I want to assume that they're either, you know, gone or have been destroyed by Ganondorf. Um, I feel that dungeons are on their way to be coming back because from each trailer, there's like a tiny little bit of breadcrumbs uh, possibly alluding or insinuating that dungeons are back ever since the first trailer. So hopefully Nintendo like hears loud and clear. I'm like, hey, listen, the Divine Beast, you know, it was a good experiment. I'm pretty much done with that now. Give me the traditional dungeons but i would have to disagree with a certain point when it comes to the sheikah shrines personally i adored the sheikah shrines so much like i love that there was 120 so much so that i'm like yo tears of the kingdom give me 150 please <laughs> like i honestly love the idea of exploring this massive overworld and then finding these shrines and getting like piece by piece by piece of dungeons and puzzles some of these were extremely clever and some of these were extremely some of them were really enjoyable good, yeah. yeah yeah and then some of them didn't even have like you know a puzzle within them uh they just had a reward because finding these shrines was part of the puzzle so i'm like okay i i, I do like that you know it was always so interesting every time my shika slate will start beeping and like oh there's a shrine nearby okay let's all right all right let me see if i can find it what you know what secret is across the bend it was that it always constantly gave me that and that was one of the biggest focal points one of my favorite parts of breath of the wild that made exploring this world you know worth it because i mean of course if you have this big explorable world and there's nothing to do with it or there's nothing to interact with it you know that what's the point in having a world this massive but with the integration of shika shrines and so many of them i'm like okay i need to find another one just to you know find some treasure or increase my stamina or heart meter or like yo i want to see what happens when i find all of them so that part of the game just had me hooked so much. And I'm like, this is, you know, not even the Divine Beasts. Because the Divine Beasts, like, they were fun. But I will say, like, if it was Divine Beasts that replaced tra traditional dungeons, I'm not down. Right. But right. 120 shrines instead of traditional dungeons, I'm like, I like this. And this is, this, 
I'm okay. I'm fine with this. But at the same time, for Tears of the Kingdom, you'll up the anti Nintendo. I've been saying, listen, on top of possibly more shrines. And maybe if they want Divine Beast to return, because I have this idea that all the, you know, calamity that's going on with Hyrule right now, like you can see in Death Mountain, there's malice pouring out from the volcano. You see this giant whirlwind up near the Hebro or Tabantha region. I want to assume that this is Gandorf making the Divine Beast going haywire way more so than in Breath of the Wild. So if Shrines were to return and Divine Beast were to, were to return, Put traditional dungeons on top of that, you know, up in the sky or in the underground, and I'll be like, yo, Tears of the Kingdom, game of the year, let's go. All right? No, so... yeah, for real. Uh, if they did... So, like, I've been expecting... Man, I, there's there's so much that I've been expecting. We'll, we'll get... We'll touch on this particular aspect later, but I'm just, I just want to mention it. Um, right. Uh, Breath of the Wild uh, ended development, and Tears of the Kingdom started development, like, pretty much soon after. Uh, same year. So it's mm -hmm. been in development for six years. And that's like a bigger development period than the development period, I think, between Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild. So it's a, yeah. so it's a, it's a big chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And they already have Breath of the Wild built. It's already there. Like it's, it's, so they're just building up on, a, on an extremely stable foundation. So it's like, what kind of stuff could they bring to the table? Uh, like, so, so I'm expecting huge, like things that were not even, things I can't even come up with because I'm not a, as talented a game designer as they are. You know, I, I'm not the one right. in there making, like <laughs> what I'm expecting is stuff so good I didn't know I wanted it uh, being introduced in, in Tears of the Kingdom. That's that's my uh, that's my current uh, uh, mindset based on, based on the development time alone. Right, and you know, like going off that point, when I've seen what they had in store for the latest trailer, you know, I, I've been theorizing for years and like thinking like, yo, what could they add? What could be this? What could make this game like a sequel, like a sequel, sequel? And then we've seen the underground, the sky. I'm like, all right, that's cool. That's the, cool. The underground and... mushroom things that they showed with the uh, bokoblins uh, mining, that looked actually pretty excellent. Like that looked amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, because I've played... <laughs> I've played Elden Ring as well, and I, I re like it's funny. I recently beat it because I'm like I didn't want it to end. I had like <laughs> 150 hours on my first file, and I had to do you know New Game Plus to get all the achievements because I messed up at one point. Uh, and I'm like, yo, the underground area, like <laughs> I, I keep forgetting the name of it, but like the stars in the underground, you know, the, the Forbidden City, Shifra River, yeah, yeah. I'm like this, this is an underground because like. Funny enough, like to little segue, uh, I, I, was, I was playing Elden Ring this whole year with my friends, and they're like, Oh, you play Elden Ring? Yo, stream it, stream it on Discord, stream it on Discord. And then we were all saying, like, Yo, the map just keeps getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. And then we get to the underground, I'm like, Bro, how big is this game? Right. And, um, so, like, I hope Nintendo falls in that footsteps when, when it comes to the underground, bro. Because the underground yes. does look massive the same like I'm, i keep hoping uh that that we have an elden ring moment where it's like okay we think it's this kind of game maybe that's why they're they're um still not revealing as much as i would like them to reveal uh it, it's like we'll have this moment where like you head underground it's like oh my god it's so massive but then it keeps scaling up and down like you go up into these sky it's like because you've seen some clips where you're really high up like way mm -hmm. higher up than you'd expect to be able to get to um and it looks like you can still go higher from that point. So I was like, man, how high up do are they going to go? It's like people complain about, uh, some people I've seen complain about, oh, we're still stuck in Hyrule. What if the map doesn't work the way we're thinking? What if we exactly. keep going up and keep going down way further than what I that what we initially thought? That would be incredible if that happened. 
Yeah, a lot of people really doubt the the, the ability of like it's the y axis, right? The y axis, the vertical axis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people doubt the like the power of the y axis, and you know. In this recent trailer, we've I'm pretty sure we've gone the highest we've ever seen in terms of the Sky Islands. Yeah. So much so where, like, every cloud in the shot is below Link. Yeah. And <laughs> one thing I want Nintendo to, like, you know, talk to us about, because you know how Breath of the Wild deals with, a, like, a like a climate and temperature system? Yo, tell me how Link is not going to freeze to death at that altitude. Like, that's... I'm pretty sure, like, you're seeing the curvature of the Earth at that point. Uh, so... I, I'm, the sky literally, you know, no pun intended, is, is true the limit. limit in, ter- yeah. Yeah, in, <laughs> in terms of how big this game could be and how deep we can go into the underground. So I'm honestly excited to how to see the scale on that. But uh, like aside from that point, you know, in terms of how big Tears of the Kingdom is in relation to the original map of Breath of the Wild, another thing that made this like made me realize there is a sequel sequel is all of the building mechanics that we got revealed in this trailer. Okay, hang on, terms... hang on. Uh, you're, you're all talking... right, all right, all right. Because <laughs> uh, uh, we're, getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted gotcha. to talk about that in a, in a little more depth in a minute. Um, gotcha. Uh, we, we got a little sidetrack. I wanted to finish up this thought. Uh, uh, I, I just wanted to have it on record. I do think that Breath of the Wild is a Zelda game. It's totally a Zelda game. Um, I, t- I understand... Um, they 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 bucked the conventions. A lot of the things that that people felt should have been there that that made Zelda for them weren't there. Dungeons, uh, a focus on on puzzles, an authored story, um, you know, compelling characters. Um, I did actually think the story of Tears of the Kingdom, not sorry, excuse me, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. um, was compelling. But it also was compelling for past Link. You know, present Link didn't have very much to do. Uh, right. Present Link is just cleaning up the pieces. Past Link you know, was the one with the really compelling narrative. I actually liked that um, Zelda couldn't activate her, her Triforce power. She couldn't activate her goddess power. She didn't know what she was doing wrong. She felt, you know, she's feeling the pressure of everything. She sees, she's like initially jealous of Link. He sees him perfectly fulfilling his role and she's just fucking up everywhere. Her, her mm-hmm. dad's like, stop messing with the robots and get back to praying. <laughs> and she's like, praying's not working, <laughs> dad. It's, at least let me play with the robots. <laughs> um, this isn't what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it's like it's hilarious, and they go they go to the last shrine. And it's not working. She doesn't understand why, and they're they're walking back, and then boom, uh, you know, Calamity again. It appears it's too late. You ran out of time. You fucked up. Uh, uh, and then and then and it's even funnier because Mifa was about to tell her to stop being such a selfish person, and maybe it would work. <laughs> um, right. If she started using her powers for other people, like if she if she did it with a desire to save people, she was about to give her the the key to the kingdom, uh, basically, and then <laughs> immediately connect, we're out of time. Couldn't even finish the sentence. Um, and it's not until after like everybody's dead, <laughs> like all the divine beasts are dead, uh, everybody has died, and they're running away from guardians, and Link's about to die that she realizes how to activate her powers it was good like it really it really was it was a good series of cutscenes. i just wasn't as immersed as i could have been because it wasn't happening to the character at present you know it wasn't happening to this link it was happening to it to past link it was just setting up the story which um i think it hurt it narratively but i don't know how you feel about that yeah well you know having the story in pieces Definitely hurt it in my opinion because a lot of people are used to, I would say, the linearity of a Zelda story. I wouldn't say the linearity of a Zelda game, even though the games are kind of linear to a point. Uh, and 
seeing all these cutscenes, these memories, if you will, uh, in jumbled order, depending on how you, you know, find them and tackle them, and then people playing Manhunt in order to find these memories in the first place, a lot of people didn't like that, and I definitely, definitely do underground. I'm not, I do agree. Uh, I, I actually don't. I actually thought that... that oh, really? No, yeah, I, I thought it was a good thing to have them jumbled up and in separate places and, and encouraging you to explore to find them and then having them in cutscene piecemeal and you have to put them together. I, I thought that was fine. Uh, my complaint isn't that, uh, but but go ahead, finish finish your thought. Right, because I, I, I personally didn't have... Like a complaint towards that mechanic, but I do understand. Like, I'm not. Mm. That's not the point. I'm, I argue against where it's like, oh, when they say the story is bad, I'm like, no, the story is good. But when they say the presentation is bad, I'm like, okay, I get that. That's that's a very valid uh, argument, which I, I I do agree with. But the story in itself, when it comes to the present day link, I I feel like you know it is a bit bare bones in comparison to the past. Um, what do you call it? Memories. And hopefully Tears of the Kingdom will, you know, fix that. Because, I mean, like, there's nothing to remember at this point. Link Array has all of his memories in tow. Hopefully by the time we go into Breath of the Wild, I mean, Tears of the Kingdom, because obviously he's starting the game with the Master Sword. So that kind of, like, plays into the idea that we're going off the true ending. And uh, with all that being said, how Link, inter like, how Link interacted with the characters of the present day, like Sidon, Riju, Yonobo, uh, Teba, like... It was always, I would say, a bit crippled because of the fact that he didn't have the memories or, like, it, the game kind of assumes that you don't have enough memories to, like, you know, remember what's going on in this area because, you know, the four champion memories are specifically tied to, you know, going to these places. You can find every other memory and be like, hey, I remember a lot, but then, you know, there's four memories missing and it's because, like, oh, you actually have to go there and then get the memories themselves. And the game really plays off of that, which I feel like it adds to the mysticism. Mysticism, It really does. But then it leaves a lot to be desired when you when you get these memories. of like, oh, this is the type of person Link was. This is the type of interactions he had with his friends. This is the type of interactions he had with Zelda, right? But then you get all that kind of after the fact, a little, too, like, a little too much, a little too late type deal. And, you know, I don't dislike it. But I see where people like you know they they aren't one hundred percent down with it. But I feel like it's it's one of those things was like oh teach your own or an acquired taste. Personally, I I digged it, but I wouldn't want to see them tackle that again in Tears of the Kingdom unless they put in a memory mechanic specifically for Ganondorf, where ooh, you find out his ooh, memories. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, like so in. Like, in addition to the real-time story, now that Link and Zelda are, you know, in real time with their memories, finding out what's going on with the tears of, with, with the kingdom, the tears of the kingdom, and doing that, also solving the mystery on why Ganondorf is so pissed, hmm. you know, could be, like, a grand story. So take that element that, you know, basically plagued Breath of the Wild for a lot of people, rework it. For Gandorf in order to get another side of the story rather than the whole story itself. You know, okay, well, first of all, for me, like, I, I really, the problem really was just that the stakes were odd. Like, the stakes were, were lower than yeah. they should have been because um, all of the important events really just did happen in the past. And, and you're going about collecting, piecing them together. But what you need to do is made, you know, immediately clear. There really isn't a story past um, the Great Plateau Except go kill, you know, you gotta go kill Ganon. You can immediately go and kill Ganon. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the strengths of Breath of the Wild. Before Breath of the Wild, uh, open world games weren't really that open. 
like the nothing had ever tackled open i maybe even it's rare now uh that it's it's actually you it had an emphasis in, on freedom that few games like dare to, to to do you actually can go anywhere a, a lot of people that's the appeal of open world games but most open world games don't actually let you go anywhere. Like they gate your exploration behind something. So, mm -hmm. uh, so either be it story narrative, um, um, items you haven't gotten yet, or you know you're not supposed to be in that city yet. You're, you're you know dep right. depending on what open world you're playing. But Breath of the Wild gated it behind nothing, not even story narrative, because you can tackle any part of the story uh, that you want. You can immediately go kill Ganon if you want to. You can go to any of the four villages and start their individual stories uh, there. So there's really, there is no limits in, in Breath of the Wild, um, which was unique for the time. But still, one of the reasons why I think it's still very authored in certain ways is because a lot of us had a lot of the same experiences and that was intentional, you know. Everybody praises the Great Plateau. Everybody thinks the Great Plateau is like the greatest tutorial that's ever been made. Everybody fondly talks about the Great Plateau, even though it was the most restrictive area. It was the area that had the most limitations. So limitations can be good. You didn't have your parasol yet. You didn't have uh, your, your powers all to start with. You had very, very little in the way of, uh, you know, weapons and armor and what, what you could collect. And But people like fondly remember the Great Plateau. And I think it's because... Um, it really is because it, it limitations do something to a story. Um, you, you come up upon the Temple of Time. It's a it's a natural thing. Everybody goes up to the Temple of Time, and then and then the Temple of Time music starts playing, which is actually like a uh, reimagining of the original Temple of Time music. If you speed it up, it's actually just the Temple of Time song uh, in a in a piano king, but much slower. Right, and you know. Obviously, that's the biggest drop because when you play a Zelda game, or when if you've played a Zelda game before in terms of like 3D Zelda, you get you automatically gravitate to the, towards the temple all the time, mm. and it's like, ooh, wow, what? And I feel that a lot of people, you know, in terms or of... or Lon Ranch, a lot of people tell me that they enjoyed you know happening upon Lon Lon Ranch and seeing it destroyed and the music starts playing. Uh, a lot of people tell right. me that, that they like that kind of thing. Yeah, like, you know, seeing a lot of uh, familiar aspects from previous Zelda games when it comes to across the entire timeline itself, which I hope to see in terms of, you know, Skyloft within the Sky Islands. We'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. uh, but I see, I, I feel that a really big point of, I would say, you know, praise when it comes to the Great Plateau in terms of, like, it being, like, the best tutorial area is that, you know... It, it does definitely, it's restrictive because it's, like, meant to teach you everything you're supposed to, you know, know uh, for this game. So as soon as you get off the Great Plateau, it's like, oh, training wheels off. But, hey, it was it was quite, you know, the ride on that training wheels. Like, it's basically on a motorcycle with training wheels. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people uh, pointing out this idea, myself included, where if you think about it, the Great Plateau is kind of the size of, like, the entire map of Ocarina of Time. And then, like, <laughs> when you finally break free of that size and see how truly big Breath of the Wild is in relation to, you know, the first 3D Zelda. Just like, oh. And like, it really clicks and like, oh, this is it. This yeah. is this is going to be the game. You know? So I feel that's like a very key point of praise for that. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. I understand. You mentioned uh, that you didn't, uh, there were, you had reservations about the music in Breath of the Wild. What, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, of course. Uh, when it comes to, like, you know, the reservations, I would say, is only because of, I would say, going forward from Breath of the Wild. For, for Breath of the Wild, it works. It definitely does, mm -hmm. right? 
But then, you know, for Tears of the Kingdom, let's not do that again. Because <laughs> a lot of things when it comes to Breath of the Wild is not only the air of experimentation, it's also the air of mystery, right? You are going into this world of Hyrule that experiences great calamity 100 years ago, and you don't remember anything, right? So when writing through Hyrule in terms of the Hyrule field during day and night, it's very somber. It's very atmospheric, right? And it was pretty good, you know, but... Moving forward into Tears of the Kingdom, I'm like, okay, I get it. There's no more air of mystery. I just, I need to save this place. You know, it's on fire. So, like, I don't know if, like, a little, you know, piano solo is going to really convey <laughs> the, yeah. the, the the absolute need to, like, save this place. Um, and also, when it comes to Breath of the Wild's more dynamic music, because even though it's it was not a lot, they it had some really cool dynamic pieces. It had, you know, the, yeah, Molduga, it had a few. It had a few, yeah. Yeah. The Molduga theme, uh, the Divine Beast themes. Uh, when you have, like, four to five terminals array activated, you know, the champion seems. Like, when you hear them, there's like, oh, this is great, this is bumping. But then as soon as it shows up, it goes just as quickly. And that's something I'm like, you know, like, I love Breath of the Wild, but, like, why couldn't that theme just stick around for a little bit more, you know? <laughs> so that, that, that was my, that's my main reservation. It wasn't like, you know, the music in itself is how... The music was, you know, tackled in terms of more dynamic music. And I'm saying 100%, I understand why they did what they did when it comes to the music. And I didn't hate the themes. It's just that, you know, going into Tears of the Kingdom, you know, there is no more mystery when it comes to the world in itself. We need something a little bit more, you know, bumping. So that, that, that's like the core to my reservation for that. So uh, it's kind of funny because in a lot, a lot of points in this podcast, uh, I've been like... Uh, right now, people are like talking in my comment sections a lot of a lot of, in a lot of uh, the videos that I've made for Zelda. It's like, oh, he's he's a he's a Breath of the Wild hater, you know. He's a he's a uh, Ocarina of Time uh, shill, something like something like that. <laughs> um, and yet here, uh, I actually like the music in Breath of the Wild a lot, um, and I will defend the music in Breath of the Wild to 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 a degree. I actually think. It, it like you said, it fit perfectly for what they were doing. Like you, you're in this vast open world, the soft, uh, subtle music in a lot of places, very, very low, right? It reminds me a lot of Elden Ring in, in a way, and I think it should be more like Elden Ring actually, because see, Elden Ring had background music in the overworld, and that was a new thing for them. You know, that was a that was a new thing for them. In previous Souls games, there was no background music except the only time there was music was in certain key locations and in boss rooms. Uh, for boss battles but the thing that with elden ring is that elden ring kept legacy dungeons you know they had the the, the dungeons have always been the big appeal for the the design of the legacy dungeons is very much how they were in souls games maybe even better especially stormvale um what's that other place what's the capital the capital whatever landell landell uh they're, they're some of the best legacy dungeons they've ever made um and if tears of the kingdoms brings dungeons back I want I want them to bring that dynamic bump in music that you, that you that you like to the dungeons. Mm -hmm. The kinds of music that I used to hear in the dungeons in the past uh, needs to be in the dungeons. It's I I'm perfectly cool if they keep the subtle, um, emotional, quiet tracks for exploring the overworld or even these sky islands. But when I but if they have dungeons, large sprawling traditional dungeons that's going to take that I'm going to be in there for a while, I want traditional music. Like I want real, real Zelda music in the dungeons. Um, um, mm -hmm. that, that's how I'm feeling about that currently. Like I, I definitely understand 
uh, considering that uh, Elden Ring, you know, the music in Elden Ring, I felt was really, really well done. And a lot of people make some uh, compare contrast to how the music was done in Elden Ring in terms of, you know, being an open world Souls game mm -hmm. to like Zelda being an open world Zelda game. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed the music, I would say, in Elden Ring far more than I did in terms of the atmospheric sense right? Uh, when compared to Breath of the Wild. Because when you go to different areas, like, um, you know, man, these area names Lyrnia are like, and uh, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah, when you... Oh, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb, uh, the, the, the air... Like, it's the swamp area surrounding Rhea Lucaria. Um, like, that was actually one of my favorite themes, like, exploring that, like, watery area, getting up to the castle. Uh... And, you know, it, it changes, you know, it, it's like, even though it's still atmospheric, it, it's like, it has that really good balance between atmospheric and dynamic. And Breath of the Wild, it was just, it just went a little too much into the atmospheric uh, side of the slider. So I hope, like, if they're going to retain some atmospheric music for Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like, you know, a good balance, just like how they did in Elden Ring, would go a very long way. What do you think? Uh, have, I'm sure you have. Um, this is almost as common as that other phrase we were talking. But have you ever heard um, someone will say that they they didn't like Breath of the Wild uh, diverging so far from the Zelda formula, and somebody else will say, uh, like in a forum or a comment or even in real life, they'll say, uh, "Ah, these kids, these young kids, uh, <laughs> what what you don't know and don't understand because you're so young and stupid is because uh, is that." Uh, Breath of the Wild is actually a return to form for Zelda. It's like Zelda One. Uh, it, it's a reimagining of the original formula. So this is real Zelda. This is this is what classic Zelda is. Uh, have you heard that? And what are your yes. thoughts on on that? I I've heard that a lot actually. You know, and like okay, see, I when people say it like that, I get where you're coming from. But look, listen, you're going a little too far. Don't be calling kids stupid like that. It's like oh, <laughs> you you stupid newbies or anything like that. It's like no, because. One thing that people really understand is that, as, like, Zelda 1 started everything, and I love Zelda 1, but Zelda 1 was just a very, like, all-over-the-place type of game, so much so that, you know, the current supervisor of Zelda, Aji Aonuma, is like, man, I'll never play that game again. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just, there's a lot within Zelda 1 that you had to figure out for your. If you don't look at a guide or anything like that, there's a lot in Zelda when you have to figure out for yourself with absolutely no cues whatsoever, right? And then people can argue that's like, oh, is that good or bad game design, right? Because there's literally like caves in Zelda 1 that you have no idea that they're there unless you decide to bomb every square pixel, right? And, you know, you don't have infinite bombs like you do in Breath of the Wild. And in Breath of the Wild, when you could bomb, when there's bo something that's bombable, it's very telling. You know, like, there's a big, like, mound of, like, you know, discolored rocks or, like, you know, a big crack in the wall. Uh, Zelda 1 didn't really have that. And that's just skimming the surface on what goes down in terms of, like, you know, Zelda 1. Of course, you know, the limitations of the NES and then what Nintendo was, you know, conveying and trying to, like, you know, portray with this game... But when people say, like, oh, it's Return to Zelda, and that's, uh, like, a reimagined remake of Zelda 1, and, like, okay, it took a lot of aspects from Zelda 1, but it also took a lot of aspects from Ocarina of Time. It took mm. a lot of aspects from this and that, but at the same time, it changed it for its own. So when people say, oh, Breath of the Wild is just, you know, at, at most a glorified remake of Zelda, of Zelda 1, I'm like, no, it's not. It's its, it's, its own thing. Right? Yeah, I, I, because... I feel I feel the same way. I feel very much that Breath of the Wild is its own thing, and even even if it it was tr even if it's true, 
that okay well basically i what my problem with is is the same problem i had with those other people i, I kind of hate both of these uh <laughs> groups that mm -hmm. that um it, it's the phrasing it's like it's like you know why i even if it was true you know why i don't say stuff like that because i every single person that's ever talked about zelda has heard that you know anything that's talked about this topic has heard it because people have told them people like it's like well actually little nerd emoji uh you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know the original zelda is, is right. breath of the wild is very much like the original zelda here's the thing it's like what they, they bring this up like it's a gotcha like it's a but but I find it completely an irrelevant point. It literally has no value in this conversation. The conversation that pe people usually introduce this this argument into is people that grew up with Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, kind of Zeldas, or Twilight Princess or Wind Waker or Skyward Sword or wh whatever Zelda they started on, other than the first two, I suppose. Uh, they're like, look, Breath of the Wild eschews all of these conventions. You know, they took a lot of these things that we love and, and put them in Breath of the Wild and there's no adequate replacement. We don't, we find that Breath of the Wild is not, um, is not like classic Zelda. And so, and then they're like, well, actually classic Zelda, Zelda one. And I'm like, bro, Ocarina <laughs> of Time is 24 years old. I'm willing to bet a, a good bit of money that most Zelda fans started in Breath of the Wild, you know? Like most people that that are Zelda fans today started Breath of, Breath of the Wild sold twenty eight million copies, Twilight Princess yep. was the best selling Zelda game before that, and it sold ten million, and it struggled to sell ten million. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, most people that started this series are are people that started with Breath of the Wild in today's world, uh, and you know, Ocarina being twenty four years old. That's classic Zelda. There are people that are fans of the series <laughs> that are not 24 years old. You know, they weren't alive right. when Ocarina came out. Ocarina uh, and its conventions that it established and Link to the Past and its conventions that it established have been here forever. If you're like a classic Zelda fan, uh, like like original Zelda fan, and you've been waiting, what? <laughs> like, what, what did it come out? 1986? If you've been waiting, um, <laughs> what, nine? 30, was, 40, no, yeah. 30 years. You've been waiting oh, 30 more, years. More, more, more than 35 years yeah. at this point. You've been waiting 35 years for a return to form and Breath of the Wild is your return for, to form. I'm happy for you. But you're not a, you're not even a Zelda, you're not a classic Zelda player. You're a fossil. You're a fossil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy mm. for you and all eight of you other people that have stayed alive up to this point. <laughs> yep. Looking like Ganondorf in Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, look Ganondorf looking ass people. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, it's really, there's like, it, it's, it, it boils down to that point where I, that funny, funny image that I keep seeing where it's like, oh no, the best of the game is the one I played when I was a kid. No, the best of <laughs> the game is the one I played when I was a kid. And then, you know, you had like these differentiating, you know, generations when it comes to how they're applying what is this other game, what isn't. And then, you know the biggest context that they're going off of is like either Zelda 1, A Link to the Past, or Ocarina of Time. But now we've reached the point it's like, no, now they're basing off of Twilight Princess. I'm like, man! Zelda's been around forever. <laughs> it's been around for a so, long time, yeah. Yep. Oh, actually, okay, let, let, let's talk about one more uh, Zelda thing before we get to the to Tears of the Kingdom and start tackling that heavily. What are your thoughts on Skyward Sword? Because Skyward Sword was really um, the controversial one before Breath of the Wild came out. Like, that was the one people talked about. Tons of people hated it. Tons of people were complaining about it. I think you, you mentioned uh, the complaints people had in your uh, about the formula just a little bit ago. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Skyward Sword? Skyward Sword is my favorite Zelda game after Ocarina of Time. Nice. Like, I 
adored Skyward Sword. And when, like, a lot of complaints that I've seen with people is, like, you know, the ones where it's, like, the linearity. I'm like, okay, I get it. But then uh, a lot of people are like, I don't like Skyward Sword. But then go around and say, I love Metroid. And I'm like, how? <laughs> how? What? Because Link doesn't do projectiles? Like, like oh, I don't I don't understand. Anyways, um, I loved how the game progressed. I loved the, like, the close, the tightness of the story. And the combat was, was was amazing for me. A lot of people complain about the motion controls. And I never, 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 never had an issue with that. I agree and with I you. Played, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I, I played the original on the Wii, and then when I see people complaining about the uh, when I, like I've seen a couple of cases that people complained about uh, the motion controls for the Wii version and even the Switch version of Skyward Sword, and I'm like, okay, and I see them actually attempt, and I'm using the word attempt very, very, very drastically mm-hmm. uh, to play the game, and when they're swinging the sword, they're swinging it so wildly, and I'm like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're supposed to do the motion, like, yeah, like do the, the motion. motion, yeah. You know, swing it like a like, real sword, like, like actually, like if you're going diagonally, do diagonally. If you're going up and yeah, down, do it up and down. But, yeah, no, but like they're they're swinging it so wildly, wildly where they like, yeah, yeah like the the controller cannot register you swinging the sword for more. Like if you're doing a slash, if you're doing a slashing motion that requires you to do the motion, the motion lasts more than a second. Then like you're doing it wrong because you're supposed to like you know you like flick it to the right, flick it up, flick it diagonally. That's your sword motion. But people's like, no, I'm in the game, virtual reality, baby. I'm like, no. That's not how you do it. So, um, when it comes to the motion controls, when it like like Skyward Sword had some amazing music, some of my favorite incredible music, in music Zelda. yeah, some incredible yeah. music, some of the best boss fights in Zelda, like Kalokto's. That is, I think, I think the best five. boss fights. I think the best yeah. boss fights in in the series. I don't think I don't think you can even consider the other one. Like it, it was the first time bosses were hard uh, for me. Like I got messed up a couple of times in the bosses. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and all people like, no, nah, the bosses in Twilight Princess are better. And I'm like, Twilight Princess had some amazing designs for bosses. Designs, yeah. And here's the thing about Twilight Princess for me: it was painstakingly easy. All the bosses were easy. I I did well, not all, sweat once in Twilight Princess. Apart from the 2D Zelda games, because the 2D Zelda games can be kind of hard. But apart from the mm-hmm. 2D Zelda games, there are no hard Zelda games really. Um. Except for uh, Skyward Sword, <laughs> that's the only one, and that was because you you were uh, you were actually required to. It actually had skill involved in using the motion controls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really loved it. I loved it. Oh, I I adored Skyward Sword, but then also a lot of people complain about how like oh the items were limited and that um, even though like the game like focuses a lot on the whole motion aspect of you know the level of control. It was a lot of people's like it's too linear into the story, the progression of the world, and also the use and progression of items. People also Whereas complained like, about Fi. They didn't like Fi. She was very annoying. Oh in man, the, what? In the original Bro. one, she, they're, they're nah. constantly complaining about how oh your batteries are getting low, your your, your notifications over after every item. Uh, a lot of nah. people they changed that in in the Switch version though. Like all that's gone. Yeah, but. You know, when talking about Zelda partners, people are like, oh, Fi is annoying. Uh, like, the best Zelda partner is Midna. Midna, and obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're like, oh, Fi is annoying. Navi is annoying. I'm like, guys, the worst Zelda partner is Tattle. Like, it has been, always will be. <laughs> right? You know, people are like, uh, um, Elzo or, yeah, Elzo, whatever. And I'm like, no. Tattle man, was Elzo's the fairy the from Majora's Mask? Yes, yes. I thought she was He's always like, going for that mean Sundere uh, vibe. 
at the yeah, and that's annoying. Like, yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> that's just abuse, <laughs> right? Like, bro, you're like you're supposed to help me, and it's funny because like going from Ocarina Time to Majora's Mask, going from Navi to Tattle, yeah. like Navi is always like respectful when you uh, scan an enemy. She's like, oh, this does this, and but Tattle's like, oh, what you don't know about this enemy, man? Watch out for it. And I'm like, yo, you're on my side, like, like that's what hilarious. Are you doing? That's hilarious. Uh, so I, I, I love Skyward Sword. So like I love a lot about Skyward Sword. Uh, I did have my problems with it, but but like the the things that are good about it are really good. The characters I thought were amazing. Groose is one of my favorite characters. His storyline is incredible. You know. Oh yeah. You know, like I, I really like specifically like Groose. Gear him too. But but Groose, uh, you know, he's this bully up in Skyloft, and then he he uh, he's been bullying Link his whole life, and then uh, Zelda disappears. He has a crush on Zelda. He he follows Link down to the ground. And then, uh, de what, what demise the forsaken, what forbidden, what, what is it called? The the, uh, the monster thing that comes out from the center of the oh the imprisoned the, the imprisoned yes yeah. the imprisoned comes out. Bruce can't do anything. He has to realize that Link is the hero. He's a, he's nobody. You know his little hierarchy, his idea of himself is destroyed, and he's like depressed. And over the course of the game, like you go off and do other stuff, and when Bruce is depressed, he just gets the fuck over it. Like he's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm I'm going to make a rail catapult around the Forsaken to keep it imprisoned, and uh, you know the very scene at the end where where uh, he's like cheering Link on. He helps him out, and then he go 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 meet Zelda, and he's like, you know, tell Zelda, you know what? Never mind. Walks away. Incredible scene. Incredible. Scene. Love Groose so much. <laughs> Yo, and one of the that the the song that was playing during that mm. scene is actually called dejected Groose. and it's one of the best yes like music pieces in all of zelda and it only plays once in the game and i'm like incredible yeah oh, yeah that's that is so good and you know it's funny because Groose's design when a lot of people like a lot of people don't notice this but then like you have to point it out it's like yo Groose's design is straight up like based on Ganondorf, mm. you know, like like he's red big, hair. he's tall, red hair, yellow eyes, all yellow that eyes, stuff, yeah. right? So a lot of people call him like you know the proto Ganondorf of this game, and then like he is one of the main characters. Like the ending shot for Skyward Sword shows Link, Zelda, and Groose all together. That's wonderful. It's like oh, you know, once upon a time before the curse, you know, the these three you know entities that are like pervading throughout the entirety of Zelda were once you know classmates. So I'm like. Skyward Sword is so good. Skyward Man, Sword I can't really believe. Yeah. I also I also loved Girahim. Uh I, I loved everything about his design, yes, his boss fights. You know, the first time you fight him, he's like he's confident, he's he's composed, but he's still crazy. Uh and yeah, like you, you're completely inexperienced. You're you're barely fumbling with those gyro controls, uh, those the yeah. we, we controls. You're barely understanding how the combat works. And this guy, it's, it like catches your sword between his fingers and then takes it away from you and starts swinging at you before throwing it at you. It's like, oh my god, his attacks do like one heart of damage each. It's like, man, I only have three hearts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Uh, you have to you have to like counter his his projectiles in a specific motion so that so it was incredible. It's like, wow, this is. This is some high uh, tier combat, mm -hmm. and I I loved his characterization, and I loved his design. Like everything was so good about Gurham. Yeah, right. And then that final his dialogue, reveal, his dialogue too. Oh yeah, and the final reveal when he when you find out he's a sword spirit as well, and I'm like, okay, see, this is peak. Like yeah. this is what I'm talking. And that boss fight was really fun too. Yeah. Um, I just hope because his, his what do you call it? His destiny, his fate was not really clear at the end of Skyward Sword. And if you look at all of, you know, the encompassing media when it comes to Zelda, like Hyrule Historia, Encyclopedia, all this, none of it states what happened to him. Right. Like, did he die? Did he run? Like, we don't know. 
that's why I'm like, yo, I'm hoping, you know, Tears of the Kingdom. Because, like, you know, <laughs> Breath of the Wild did have five. Yeah, Breath of yeah, the Wild yeah, had five. returns in Breath of the Wild. And I want to assume that she does in Tears of the Kingdom because in that one, in the, you know, that one trailer where uh, Aji Onuma um, delays the game and where Link takes out the busted Master Sword and it's glowing like it would glow if Fi is talking to you. I want to assume that Fi still talks to you, but in a very, like, weak, damaged state, right? Yeah. So I'm like, yo, if they bring back Fi, like, bring back Gurum. Like, come on, like. Yeah, the this real- man was biding his time for like over, over, over eons. You know? you know, if we're talking about like the prongs with Skyward Sword, I actually didn't think the prongs were any of the things that everybody that we've mentioned. It's not Fi, it's not the gyro controllers, it's not it's not even necessarily the linearity for me. It's the it's the puzzles. <laughs> it's you know, in Breath of the Wild, I was constantly like thinking, man, I wish there was more puzzles. I wish there was like uh, a dungeon where I can interact with puzzles. Like it's this puzzle list, I'm climbing up stuff all over the place. The extent of the puzzles right. are Korok steeds. I was just hungry for puzzles. But Skyward Sword was like the opposite. I completely had the opposite problem. Um, mm-hmm. There was no overworld in Skyward Sword. It didn't exist. Right. It did not exist. There was a series of puzzle rooms. That's all there was. You know, Ocarina had an overworld. You could just exist and relax, you know, just chill. Just get, you, you can go to Lon Lon Ranch and just exist. You know, you could go to 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 um to the market town and just go do some mini games in there. You know, there was a, there were spaces in between dungeons where you just explored and were. Like you could just exist. And that was like a big appeal of, of Breath of the Wild. Skyward Sword did not have any of that. It had only Skyloft and then uh the overworld and the bottom was a series of of puzzles before you got to the dungeon which is just more puzzles it's like constantly mm-hmm. every second of every every moment every day was just puzzles in, in skyward sword it was incredibly annoying it, it, um that that was actually what my problem was with it uh not not any of the other stuff personally i like that a lot like i i love that you can get tired. Game. No, like the whole game was just one big dungeon when you think about it. Yes. It was just, I, I love <laughs> that. I, too much. I love, no, 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 no. Like, it was like, it just constantly kept you on your toes. I'm like, yo, this is, this is it. Like, <laughs> oh, no, that's like one of my favorite things about um, Skyward Sword. It's like, it's constantly on your toes. You have to constantly figure out what you're doing. There's no time to breathe. Because I, like, I made peace. Like, because, like. Going into, like, I've been following Zelda content, and I've been doing Zelda content, and I've been, like, following Zelda, I would say, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, Zelda media, I've been following it for a very, for a very long time when I was very little, right? So, when it comes to them, like, talking about Skyward Sword, talking about Skyward Sword way before release, I made peace with the fact that this game wasn't going to have exploration. This game, like, I mean, it does, but not in the sense of, like, Zelda games before, right? It does it wasn't going to have an overworld like these games, like, this game. Was that made clear in the marketing? Yeah. Oh, It was very made clear. So, like, I made peace with that going into Skyward Sword. So... Like, sure, like, I'm like, okay, you know, there's no really, no real sense of exploration like there was in Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, or in Wind Waker, or in Twilight Princess, but, like, this is kind of what I got, and I understood that because they wanted to focus on the motion controls, they wanted to focus on the one-to-one sword fighting and whatnot, so, I mean, to compensate for that a little bit, they had to, they had to, you know, sacrifice the overworld, which I understood, but what we got instead was, like, like amazing for me like i I was like okay more and more buzz more more puzzles more this more that how do i get here how do i get there how do i solve this how do i solve that i'm gonna have to like you know wiggle that noodle a little bit in my head and i just that i i i fell in love with that because like once again 
I'm a huge Metroid fan as well. And then Metroid kind of like, you know, boils down to that when 2D or 3D. Where it's like, okay, you're in this room. You're con there's, there's no time to breathe, really. You can't just be. You, like, you're constantly trying to figure out how to get from this room to that room. And then you figure out this room can't be open. It was, ver it was very much world. like Metroid, actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then, like, there's a lot of people that still don't see that. And I'm like, how? Like, this, this is, like, they literally <laughs> ripped a page out of Metroid and ran with it in this game. So... And um, I, I, I'm a big fan of that. So that wasn't really something that, like, troubled me. I don't think there's anything that really troubled me in terms of Skyward Sword. That's probably why I like it so much. Mm. That's probably why I, like, I consider it, like, one of my top Zeldas. I don't think there's a moment in Skyward Sword I'm like, okay, this ain't it. Or this ain't it. Or anything like that. You know, maybe... Like the only thing I could think of there is like, man, is the cam is shifting c the camera perspective when I'm trying to catch some tumbleweeds and then it crashes <laughs> into like a wall and I'm like, bro, I why do I need these? I barely, like, I barely remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. We, like, we've, I, I, we've talked about like old Zeldas for for enough. We haven't even talked about the trailer yet. We're at an hour deep. Let's let's try and move into ooh, that. <laughs> right. Okay. New trailer came out at the end of the Nintendo Direct. Fucking fantastic direct, by the way. Oh, one the, yeah. One of the greatest directs. I, I haven't been covering, like, um, video games for that long, about two years. But I think it's the best one I've seen in these two years that I've been doing this. It's uh, so many high-quality things. That's so many different... Uh, you know, it obviously depends if, you, if nothing that you like was shown. But, like, there was a lot of things that a lot of people liked, I felt. Yeah, because, like, it, it was jam-packed. Especially, like, I would say not only a Zelda fan, but just, like, a fan of video games... In general, it was jam-packed to the brim. Like, we started mm -hmm. with Pikmin. We got Metro Prime Remastered. Remastered. We got dropped, Game Boy dropped and the Game same Boy day. <laughs> right? Yeah. Game, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance on the Switch. Yeah. The Xenoblade 3 DLC made yeah. me screech. Um, and then ending everything with Tuesday. Professor Layton coming back. Like, come on. Yeah, I thought he was dead. Um, I thought that, yeah. that series was over. I thought there was no way they were bringing him back. And, and and they did. And that was... See, that's what we call a teaser. Mm -hmm. Literally, he's in a new town, turns around, and I'm like, that's 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 a teaser, right? So ending... Like, having all that and ending with Tears of the King, like, that was an... Um, honestly, in my opinion, that was an amazing direct, right? All right, so what do we think about the Tears of the Kingdom trailer itself? What, what, what are your impressions? Oh, like, I loved it. You know, finally we heard Ganondorf talk, which, by the way, like, I... Like... A lot of people have been doing a lot of, like, sleuthing on, like, oh, who is that? Is that Matt Mercer? Is that Patrick Syatz? You know, uh, it's funny because the, uh, other than Japanese, uh, a bunch of the other dubbed voice actors have kind of, like, revealed themselves already. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, it's only English and Japanese where they're, like, no one's speaking up. I'm, like, yo, who are you? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> let me know. And, like, hearing Garandorf talk was just, was, was amazing. Like, like, I was kind of scared that he wasn't, but then now we get that kind of, pretty much hard confirmation that he is and then like seeing the scene that was in the first breath of the wild 2 trailer when it was called breath of the wild 2 the uh the scene where ganondorf wakes up uh it got updated we saw what happened to link's arm finally because a lot of people was like did it get burned off completely did it get mangled like yeah. to the point now we know like oh it got charred beyond like use. i mean it does get <laughs> repaired and yeah. like he did use it but like yo that's that's some damage we got the confirmation of underground we got to see like us go even higher and higher and higher. Uh, what did you think of the, the voice sky? actor? Uh, say it again. What did you think of the voice acting for Ganondorf? Oh, I I liked it. A lot of people like I've seen a lot of people like say they oh they loved it or they're like oh, I wasn't feeling it. I I, I wanted them to feel more like 
evil or raspy or gargly like like or old like like oh god this is me i'm ganondorf i am gonna destroy i'm like no because like ganondorf was always this refined cultured regal entity like this man's the he, great he plays the opera evil. i mean he plays yeah, the organ exactly. in, in the original uh exactly you know, like the way he said, he's like, "Oh, eliminate this kingdom!" And her eyes, I like, I was literally visualizing him with like a glass of wine swirling it around <laughs> as he's saying it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that, like, to me, that's like perfect portrayal of this guy, right? Like, that's always what he wants. Like, that's always what I kind of got. And then when he got really angry, where he's like, "Leave no survivor." Okay, all right, that's that's the rage. Like, he can do both. Like, he can, you know, I, so rally his troops and I, then be angry. <laughs> I actually didn't like it very, very much. Really? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. Uh. I was not feeling it at all. And, and I felt this way a lot about most of Breath of the Wild's voice acting. I thought Zelda was fine. It was okay-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, the Gorons, I didn't like any of the, the Goron voice actor. Rook, uh, his his champion, none of them. Mifo was okay. Um, I didn't. I don't even think I even liked Sidon's voice actor. Um, I kind of. Do they have the option in Breath of the Wild to turn it into Japanese? Is that is that a they, thing? Yeah, so they added that after the fact. Okay, and, I, I uh, might personally, just put, I, I, yeah, I switched that on too. <laughs> I might just put I might just put it on Japanese um, because I look I listened to the Japanese one. I think I listened to the Spanish one. I listened to the to several others. I just do not like the English voice actor uh, for this one. I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna change it, switch it to Japanese because there's not that much dialogue that's that's with words, you know. Uh, it's usually written text. Almost all the dialogue in Breath of the Wild was written text um, with noises, um, just just like other Zeldas. Uh, the cutscenes were all with voices, but but you know even the even the champions had text that wasn't dialogue. It was just text. So I'm not going to miss much. I'm totally putting on the the, the voice actors. Don't like it. <laughs> Weird. You know, I I definitely get. Uh... Where, where people are coming from when it comes to Breath of the Wild's portrayal of voice acting, mm. right? Because I mean, obviously, this is the first uh, Zelda game that has a more extensive amount of voice acting than either Zelda. Like the probably like the closest that came to it was Tetra Trackers, which never came out to the states. Mm. Um, but here's the thing: I don't think it's an, uh, like an issue. And I've said this time and time again. I don't think it's an issue with the voice uh, actors or you know their own voices i feel it's an issue with the voice direction oh where okay. in charge in the booth because you know when go when playing breath of the wild and people think that the voice acting was a bit jarring i'm like okay i understand it like it's nothing against the voice actors because they're all amazing voice actors and i've like i've listened to all of the roles before and like in other types of media such as you know uh, Pat, uh patricia somerset um uh, uh, the voice actor for Rivali, uh, he plays the Luke in Genshin Impact. Uh, Sean Chiplock, there you go, Sean Chiplock, among uh, other voice actors, right? Now, when you take those voice actors, because they also reprise all of the world roles in Age of Calamity, and in Age of Calamity, didn't they had a different voice director? Oh, okay. And I, and I felt their voice acting in that game was better was miles better than how they did it in breath of the wild mm -hmm. right and it was like oh there's a different voice actor doing this one a voice actor there's a different voice director you know heading this project specifically and then um there's a lot of things in age of calamity uh, that a lot of people like you know they sandbag that game a lot because like oh is it canon is it not time travel blah 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 i love that game i love i love warriors games as well so uh, the, uh, age of calamity did a lot of things that improved upon 
how they tackled certain presentation elements in Breath of the Wild, and that includes voice direction, and that also includes color filters. Because, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you're in the same boat as, uh, as this. And I'm actually gonna send you a couple of <clears throat> images um, here in the Discord to like help you know drive my point home. And that is, I love Breath of the Wild, and I love the way the graphic, the graphics were presented or whatever. However, there is a lot of points within the game itself where like the, the filter that they use in Breath of the Wild was just a little too much. Okay. Right. In which it made the game look a bit hazy or anything. But people were like, "Oh, but that's like the, that's how the game's supposed to look." I'm like, "No, it's not." Because in Age <laughs> of Calamity, they get rid of all that. In Age of Calamity, they make the colors pop so much more than they did on uh in breath of the wild which i get the argument that some people say is like oh remember this was built for the uh for the Wii U at first i'm like okay i get that and then um if you actually notice in the latest, yeah if you actually notice in the latest trailer for breath of the wild the one that we're talking about right now um there's actually two filters they use in the game which i bring i'm bringing up in my analysis which i think should come out today uh there's two filters in the game and i dubbed one of them the sky filter so when link is up in the air in the in the sky islands there's a very like powerful contrast blue filter there but as soon as he descends there's an actual there's actually a point you can see in that trailer where they switch the filters where he get where he reaches oh, close okay. to the land and yeah, i'm yeah. like oh okay so they're doing this all right dope right but in Age of Calamity, you no, know, they get rid of that filter. You know, like to 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 be a bit mean, a lot of people have dubbed that filter the piss filter, and I'm like, okay, this is like, it's it's 100. So I'm gonna <laughs> bring up some images as we're getting to our next point to like help convey that because I okay, here we go, where I've you know dealt with color correction. So this is the original image, like. If for those watching the video, I don't know if you guys are gonna be able to see this because I mean I'm just sending it to I'll put it Oscar. Yeah, I'll put it up. So that's the original image, right? This is what I did to remove the piss filter. Yeah, that does look a lot better. Yeah, so, you know, there, here's another example. And, like, Age of Calamity fixes that. So, okay. And, okay. In, and in Tears of the Kingdom, I hope that's fixed as well. And I just, like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, like, like I said before, I keep saying Breath of the Wild was just a big You think there'll be a lot of improvements in, in Tears of the Kingdom? So, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Going of off of what I've seen in Age of Calamity. Okay, are we sure that Ganondorf is Ganondorf? Are we sure that voice belongs to Ganondorf? Is it like uh, yes? So so <laughs> because because it's it it like that's the most likely uh, supposition right now. That that's the safe bet that that's that is actually Ganondorf. But we have only seen him in Raisin form so far. We've only seen Raisin Ganondorf right now, and that. Ganondorf does not look like he can do anything other than scream in pain. So if that is Ganondorf's voice actor, and that's how he's going to sound in the game, uh, does that imply that he's going to not look like a raisin when, when at some point throughout the story? Uh, hopefully, you know, he might not. Because there's actually a point in the trailer, which I once again I'm bringing up in my analysis, that um, when, it, it, like, there's this, like, big explosion scene. Where if you stop at a certain frame, you can actually see the like you know the silhouette of Ganondorf within that, right? But then as the as the uh, scene goes on, it kind of looks like it explodes, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way that uh, Blight Ganons explode in uh, Breath of the Wild. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, not a lot of people. Like my, I'm thinking is like, yo, is he gonna like blow up or something, mm -hmm. right? Where like he probably if this if we're going by what we see here. 
uh, he probably understands that his body at that point is not going to be able to recover like at all, right? So maybe he's like, oh, so let me leave this body behind and make a new one that's going to be more pristine how I looked before I came to the state, right? Uh, so maybe that will happen in that sense, but at any point, I really do hope we do see like pristine Ganondorf. You, I wouldn't you want to see. You be... want to see him like his, his what he's gonna look like in this game, like actual re revived Ganondorf. Right. Yes, I I want to see him like nice and neat, like and cool, like you know. Uh, I would say like a lot of people like you you call him a raisin, and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> uh, mummified Ganondorf. Yeah. You know, I I want I want to see him you know nice looking. So I, I just want to see. I, I do like how. the design. I think the design is incredible. Yeah. Like it looks. Oh no, he's super cool. So yeah. scary. So cool yeah. with his mummified thing, the arm gripping his chest. He's bent over backwards in, in what might be pain. Like just stuck there. It's incredible uh, scene. So it's almost like a waste to not have him as a as a momentary confrontation. Like I almost I want to fight that Ganondorf before he gets into his full power. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I would yeah. love to fight that original Ganondorf where he's like not even in his right mind, just crazed in pain like 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 i would love to fight that even if it even if you like canonically lose even if it's one of those fights where where it's like you win but you lose you know any in right. that scene it'd be fine with me because mm -hmm. i i'd love to to get a shot at that crazy uh ganondorf first before we see see like the huge seven foot tall muscular ganondorf that we're sure to see at some point oh yeah definitely just like i just don't want that to be the only way mm -hmm. we, per we like ganondorf we interact with him in, in the game because if yeah. they, because if he is just stuck like that, we'd we'd have another calamity again, and basically, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. So here's here's but, a question uh, I have. Mm -hmm. All right, so Link loses his arm to the malice. It looks like the malice like encompasses his arm, grabs his arm, and it, it messes it messes his arm up. Okay, what broke the master sword? Okay, here's the thing. Man, here's the thing. <laughs> the master sword is not supposed to break. Because it, it has the same wounds on it that looks like your arm has it. So presumably the malice, like, corroded it. That seems what a lot of people are just assuming right now. Uh, just corro completely breaks it, corrodes, corrodes it away. The Master Sword is not supposed to corrode away uh, just with malice. It's the Sword of Evil's Bane. You know, it's the Blade of right. Evil's Bane. It should just be obliterating malice. The moment malice touches the Master Sword, it should just disintegrate. So it's like... This is some serious business if the Master Sword, which by all appearances was working fine in, in Breath of the Wild. Like, there, sh there shouldn't have been any reason for it not to function uh, the way it's supposed to function. Uh, so you're telling me just Malice touched it and, and created it away? Nah, there's some element we're not, they're, they're not explaining. There's something going on here for it to be so strong that it just corrodes the Master Sword away. Exactly. You know, there, I feel there's a big part of that in mystery which i'm like this they need to explain this in the game i am mm -hmm. not, not like i'm done with this hanky panky like oh like figure it out yourself or it's like oh it's left to the imagination yeah. no explain no this. you gotta yeah you gotta right. tell me so also, the biggest theory that's oh go ahead well I, uh, I was just gonna say that also zelda uh is like please help him and she's like link i don't know if you're strong enough to i don't think i this guy's this is ridiculous like this you, i don't think you can take him and i was like wait right? you don't think like, i can take you don't think it's like, where did that confidence go this, man this, like, <laughs> this is new like this is new for a zelda game like zelda's like bro i don't know and she's asking some mm -hmm. other thing for help to 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 help you out uh because she, she's worried she's actually scared she doesn't think you can take him all the other zelda games it's like 
uh, she's sure that you can take him. Like she's always been sure that you could take Ganondorf. Uh, yep. She's just waiting. Uh, she's she might be afraid or, or scared or nervous, but she's always even in in Breath of the Wild. She you were dead and dying. She puts you in a in a coffin. Uh, she puts you in the in the healing thing, <laughs> and she's like, I'm I'm gonna go w w seal him away for a hundred years, and I'm sure you're gonna come get him. It's like she's got so much faith and patience. She's wa she's willing to wait for a hundred years, um, holding him off. While you go and collect mighty bananas and shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but now, now it's different. Okay, that's that's narratively interesting. I'm very hopeful that they're gonna, that you know, Onuma has that quote where it's like we're showing you something a little bit darker than normal. I'm yep. super hopeful that people keep comparing this to Majora's Mask. You know, it's like this is like uh, the Majora's Mask acid flip. They flipped the assets from Ocarina of Time, and yet they came up with this incredible new things, even though they were using much of the same elements. Um, yep. And I'm like, okay, that's great because Majora's Mask is one of the best. And it's, it, it did, it's like one of the best ones. It did an incredible job with what, with what it was given. It had one of the greatest, most interesting stories, in my opinion. Really narratively ambitious was Majora's Mask. And I'm hoping that this is, this is like that. Uh, from what I've seen, uh, my, my inclination is they're going, they're going all out. The story is going to be incredible. Something like we've never seen before. Unexpected. Oh, and I'm ready. And I'm like, I don't like, I, I'm, keen on them not what's the word uh exposing too much of the story but i right. just need to need like more gameplay elements yeah but dialing back to the whole the master sword thing i'm like how is that uh, even possible what not there is this uh, big theory floating around but of course i feel there's going to be a lot more to it where the reason why this is able to happen to a sword that up until breath of the wild we thought was there's no way to damage it right mm -hmm. is that Going into the Breath of the Wild and from previous Zelda games, it's constantly like parroted in Herald that since Link was the one to build the Master Sword way back when in Skyward Sword, that obviously this is tied to Link specifically, that only Link may wield it, thus the name the Master Sword, that it only beckons to its one master, mm -hmm. right? And then Link is reborn time and time again. So the big theory is that the Master Sword is also like Herald as not only the sword that of the Blade of Evil's Bane. It's also Link's ally, tool, and counterpart. Like, since Link built this thing, it is also a representation of him in his own power. That's why it's so imperative for Link to prove himself before getting it uh, in certain games, such as Breath of the Wild, A Link to the Past, A Link Between Worlds. He has to prove that, like, oh, he is ready to wield this 100%. And then that's a lot. That's also a big theory on why, you know, they sealed him away in Ocarina of Time. It's like, oh, you were too young. It's like, is it, is it really dope? Because I mean, we've seen, like, kid links, you know, <laughs> uh, use this thing. It's like, is he too young? It's like, no, like, this. he had to be ready. His, his own force, his own body, his own power had to be ready in order to be wielding this thing to its full capacity, right? And I'm not saying Breath of the Wild Link isn't. However... From what we've seen in Breath of the Wild and in Tears of the Kingdom, the Master Sword only got damaged to the points we've seen only at points where Link himself was significantly damaged. In Breath of the Wild, he was busted up. Oh, I see. Uh, like, like he was to the point of dying when he was protecting Zelda from all the Guardians, right? Yeah. You can see, like, cuts, bruises, everything. His, like, like, he was gone, right? And then the Master Sword was chipped like stained with the malice, like yeah. to the point of like, okay, this thing looks like it could snap into any second, right? And then, but like, he was damaged to the point where like he's gonna need to be stuck in the Shrine of Resurrection. Now dial to Tears of the Kingdom. His oh. arm, 
his chest. Like you can actually see points in the trailer where his chest, his skin on like on parts of his chest is caved in. He has parts of himself literally missing from how <laughs> his arm got messed up, yeah. right? Yeah. So because of him experiencing that level of damage, the sword also reflected that level of weakness, thus being able to be split into uh by the mouse so if link is damaged the master sword the master sword is, is the theory that, that exactly you know that's then, interesting so maybe uh, what it, what there's is the people that uh expound this theory are they saying that when link went into recovery in breath of the wild uh when he recovered so did the master sword that's why it was, exactly that's mm -hmm. why it was healed by the time he gets to it because he was healed by the time he gets to it like, exactly that's yeah. that's super interesting and it kind of fits with the the new arm that he has because in the um in the logo, it shows the Master Sword is repaired with this green energy. Like, it's com it's made complete. It's broken, and it's made complete by this green glowing energy that a lot of people say reminds them of Twilight um, Yeah, magic. just like how, just Link, how Link is damaged and repaired by that by thing. That, by that like, arm. Yeah, by that arm. Yeah. So that makes sense if, if you know, big if true. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. So, like, that's, like, the, the idea uh, behind that. And ugh, this trailer is so Good. It's full of stuff. Uh, it's full of yep. interesting, interesting stuff. I, I, I think you made a, a comment on the. Um, you think that the online functionality that they mentioned in the thing is going to have uh, for the vehicles. You'll be able to uh, upload vehicles onto like some kind of cloud, and then people are like, "Oh, this is a cool configuration. I'm, I'm going to download the schematics and see if I have the parts for it." Kind exactly. Of thing. That I believe that's what they're going to do 100. Like after seeing that, because like. The whole idea of these machines, when you take a look at it, it's like it's, it screams the fact that you have to build it yourself because there's a lot of weird green glue that's keeping all the parts together. Yeah. Right? And I feel like, okay, so you have to build this thing yourself. It's going to have online functionality. These are parts that you have to find in the overworld. So, you know, hey, I built this unicycle. Do you guys want to build a unicycle? This yeah. is what I had to do in order to put it together. Yeah. Right? And there's probably going to be like two different types of building options where like one you build it yourself or two if you have the blueprint and you have the parts yeah maybe you could like you know pay someone or expand rupees or materials like hey build it for me right and it puts it together all, all like all at once you know instead of you like okay glue here wheel here like it, it, i feel like breath of the wild's own systems were very robust and if they're going to be tackling this type of like vehicle creation or even weapon creation, you know, it's going to be robust as well. Because I feel that's also going to spill over to the fact that uh, at one point that trailer, Link is wielding this giant cannon hammer thing, right? I feel that's something you have to put together yourself. Right. Because, you know, uh, one shot looks like it was a piece of that uh, mechanical enemy that we saw from the second trailer. Yes. So, like, oh, so, you break yeah. it down, pick it up, put it together yourself. Yeah, there'll probably be enemies that have those pieces and we'll be able to kill them and take the pieces and use them on other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds very interesting. What is your thoughts on... Um, okay, what do you think the likelihood is of playable Zelda? A lot of people are, ham are hammering about playable Zelda. What, what do you think the chances are? Uh, you know, it's funny <laughs> like that, that that we're bringing this up uh one i feel the chances at this point four trailers in it's a bit low uh and honestly there it's, it's no skin off my back if zelda isn't playable or not and i feel like she's gonna be once again your partner a guiding voice because i feel like she's gonna be lost she's gonna be captured more than likely by ganondorf and that, um, that does seem to be the the way they're going but there's one thing that Okay, so 
Nintendo just put out like today before we had our podcast, they put out a tweet uh, with the with the picture, the new Zelda. Um, yeah, art. the official art. Yeah, and in the tweet, they're like, uh, "It's Princess Zelda. What does she have in her hands?" With little like being coy about it, and it's it's a chica yeah. slate. It's a chica slate that she has in her hands. And um, <laughs> is it though? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's some it's something like a chica slate. It, it, oh yeah, it, it's going to function like it, but it's not exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like it. Yeah, but it's it's similar to a chica slate. And so like mm-hmm. they're drawing attention to it. They put they put out this coy post, um, and so it's like, you know. I'm not. I don't think I would care if there was a playable Zelda. Maybe I wouldn't even want a playable Zelda. But uh, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in my in my wildest uh, copium dreams, what, what I think would be cool is a co-op um, Zelda uh, that you could that you could you know that that refers to the online functionality. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's likely at all. But I actually think that would be cool because like a giant game like Breath of the Wild. Um, would really would really benefit from uh, having someone along with you to tackle you know bokoblin camps or whatever whatever the hell you're doing. Right. Like there's the, there's like almost no downside to that to that experience. Something that you can pick up and play, and and like a friend can come help you out, and maybe you'll get some online resources that that would help out minorly in your own adventure. Whatever. As Zelda comes along, she can do most of the things that you can do, but she has that that slate that instead of instead of your arm, um, it's it'd be cool. Uh, I, I would like that. I but if they don't add it, it's not going to be, you know, it's no deal breakers, no skin off my back if there's no Zelda. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's funny how you brought this up because uh, sometimes I get really, really wild and vivid dreams, and I, I literally had a dream about this last night, specifically on the topic of uh, playable Zelda. And uh, before I get to that, like really quick, the thing that she's holding, it's funny because you know, Breath of the Wild was originally. Uh, developed and built for the Wii U, and I feel the Sheikah site was being was based off the Wii U gamepad mm-hmm. for that. And then this thing is like, yo, it's based on the Switch. Like it's like, oh, because like Tears of the Kingdom is made for the Switch, so like the new thing in her hand is like, oh, it's probably like an upgraded Sheikah slate, or like they were able to convert the bulkier one that was based on the Wii U gamepad to this skinnier one, which is based on the Switch. But um, the uh, the thought process I had on the idea of a playable Zelda in my dream was very interesting. So it just had, like, in the dream, I had the idea where Zelda, for some weird reason, would be always at these points within the game, the, the new Sheikah watchtower thingies, or the watchtowers that replace the Sheikah yeah. uh, towers. Like, those points... And those access those are access points to certain areas of the underground, right? And that when you go there, you're able to quote unquote like summon or Zelda's always there for some reason to a specific area in the underground that mm. is like closed off from the rest of the underground. And then you go down there and then you're able to like either sync up with a friend locally or online where one of you is Link, one of you is Zelda, and then you go in that very localized part and then you fight enemies you mine specific things in the underground you find specific things and you have to do it like within a timer like you have to go and do it with like within five or ten minutes and then you have to back out before like that'd be kind of that could be kind of awesome that'd be kind of incredible like it it actually reminds me of elden ring a little bit in in like Mm -hmm. taking a friend and tackling a legacy dungeon uh with with Mm -hmm. you two it sounds that sounds awesome (laughs) right and i i feel that i feel that idea was like inspired a lot by genshin 
Whereas like there's specific points in Genshin where like, oh, to farm materials, you have to go here and then you can sync up with people online. And I'm like, yo, if if Tears of the King were to tear a page out that book or even the book of um, Eldering when it comes to uh, the catacombs, like a catacomb, right? You know, to summon Zelda or to have Zelda playable along with you only in these catacombs, not in the overworld. I feel that would be a good compensation for those that want co-op, but not to take away from the whole grand sense of the game. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, maybe they shouldn't be uh, anywhere, anytime. It, 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 it could be a good solution to have it in specific locations. Great idea. Awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Uh, okay, you know, actually, first of all, people keep making fun of how, in my comment sections, of how I say Bokoblin. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, bro, I've never heard anyone say Bokoblin. It's the kind of thing you read your whole life. So so how do how do, you, do you... No, it's Bokoblin. It's it, is, it is Bokoblin? Yeah, people say Bokoblin, and I'm like, no, it's, it's Bokoblin. Bokoblin. Like, okay. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Oh, just or Bokoblin. Bokoblin, whatever. Bokoblin. Like, but but it's, it's, it's that pronunciation... But like people say, Boko Blin. It Boko like, Blin. No, it's Bokoblin. Yeah. Okay. Moblin, Bokoblin, yeah. you know. Yeah, whatever. You know. Uh, okay, so you see them mining all over the place. What do you, what do you think they're doing? Why are they mining all over this all over the place? Man, like I'm I am 100% sure they're being dispatched by Ganondorf right. to find something. Find right? something. Little, yeah. Yeah, they're they're looking for something and I like at the same time it might be possible that they're also looking for Zonai parts. And this dolls back to the idea of like, mm. yo, Gandorf may need a new body, you know? So maybe they're looking for parts oh, to like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. help build, either build a new body or maybe like make a soup that his body comes out of the soup or something. But any, anything, they're looking for stuff that he needs. You do see it. You do see a yeah. Zonai part in one of the places where they're mining in, in the exactly. Trailer. Like you, yeah. you find a little propeller or something, uh, on the rail tracks where you come up upon a, a little encampment and they're mining and there's a, there's a Zonai part right next to them. So I think Zonai parts will be part of the rewards we do we do get now from uh, yep. from that. You know, it's like 100% they're, they're under instruction. And then specifically, you know, the ones that we see actually mining, because I mean, of course, there's like a mining zone like above the clouds, but the one that we see Bacoblins and, you know, Lazoflos actually mining in the underground they're like super infected with malice like mm -hmm. the red malice so they're probably being like you know mind controlled or being whispers like hey mine 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 yeah. find this find this now like so they're probably like straight up being told what to do and they're 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 looking for something there's something under the ground that Gandalf wants and we have to find out and that's probably part of the mystery of like what it is what do you think is with the horns uh, that they've all grown. Like there's a oh, ho, 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 ho. I'm bringing this up in my once again in my analysis video. Right. That um, if you noticed, like check this out. You know how in Breath of the Wild, where Bacoblins, Lazoflos, Moblins, when you kill them, they always have this specific drop. Yeah. Right. Like Moblin horn. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. But now in Tears of the Kingdom, red Moblin horns. And blue Moblin horns are different. have different designs. Yep. yep. So they're probably going to have a way bigger variety of drops this time for some, yes. from some reason. And that's something that people are going to have to deal with. Like, hey, instead of, you know, Moblin horns across the board. Not Moblin horns. Yeah, even that. Uh, instead of Bacoblin horns off the bat, you're going to have to farm red Bacoblin horns and blue Bacoblin horns. And not a, so maybe in when a there's going to be a trailer. bigger... In a different trailer, what? I could swear I see some some bokoblins, the red bokoblins that don't have the same horn as the other red bokoblins in the recent trailer. Like if you go back to the other trailer where you you have the um, stone talus, I think mm. 
that the horns that they have are not the same as the horns that we just saw in the, in the recent trailer. Uh, they have... so if I remember correctly, so I'm, I'm pulling up the images right here. Yeah. If I remember correctly, they have, yeah, in the second trailer, they have like a straight up like one unicorn horn looking yeah. thing. Reminds kind of, and then... looks kind of like the Moblin uh, horn. And I'm trying to figure out... And in the uh, and okay. in the most recent trailer, the uh, they have a they have that sword looking horn, the spiky horn that, that we see. Yeah, yeah, it's very sword looking. I mean, I, I, I you know it could honestly be an updated design. It's like oh, that's that was true. Like, you know, that's true. They may have the changed the design, design of, the, of the horn. Well, the point the right. point is uh, that these horns are very prominent. They're up there. Um, they they look like they're going to be upgrade materials. This is a good sign for people that are thinking that there'll be more things to upgrade. So who knows what this is upgrading? Maybe this hints at um, being able to repair or upgrade weapons. Um, weapons will probably still be breakable. All weapons will probably still be breakable, but mm -hmm. maybe you can upgrade them um, and repair them more often than you could before. And these these kind of things uh, could allude to that, I think. And then there was yeah. the Hinox. The Hinox uh, that, that you see in the cave has like a little wooden hat on top of his head like it's protecting his horn, you know, like 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 maybe he has a horn underneath the wooden hat, uh, and and you have to get through that before you can get at its horn. So maybe it's a weak spot as well for for him. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it's funny because like obviously they're taking old designs and like revamping them to be new and whatnot. And that hat looking thing looks very dangerous, but at the same time, it's like yo, what we're like, what are you hiding under there? Or yeah, you know. Maybe you can burn but, it to get underneath it, cut it to get underneath it. It'd be interesting right. to see it. Exactly. And, you know, but the one thing I'm I, like, I don't want to say I'm scared about uh, the one thing that I really hope they don't do in, uh, what do you call it, Tears of the Kingdom, is that I don't want, I don't want this to possibly suggest the fact that you have to expose the horn in order to get it. In which that Ooh, will yeah. like lead into the idea of percentage drops. I don't want that in Tears of the Kingdom. Please don't. Like, you don't if want I percentage. kill an enemy, no. Like, I don't. I don't want a percentage chance of it not dropping. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I. I don't want. Like, if I kill something in Tears of the Kingdom, I'm getting all the drops. Like horn guts, everything. Drop it. Right. That. That's. I. I want that. Don't they Especially have, if they're good. Don't they what? have percentage drops in Breath of the Wild? Where. Where. Not every monster will give you guts. Like not every not every Lizafa will give you. I mean, not every Moblin will give you its guts or its horn. They have percentage drops for guardians. Okay. Right. And they so also have percentage. They also have percentage drops for double um, drops for every other en uh, enemy, if I recall correctly. Okay. Yeah. So like, and I, that was already a pain. Like trying to get ancient uh, guardian cores from guardians. That was already a pain, and I'm like. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. I would be I would be okay with um, it having percentage drops by default, but guaranteed drops if you do something. Uh, like like let's say the the Hinox that I was just describing. Maybe it has a percentage drop to drop his his special horn that he has underneath there. Uh, but if you get through the the wooden thing and you knock the horn out, then it's a guaranteed drop. Something like that. I would be I'd yeah. be all for it. Like if uh, the, the guardian should have had something like that, then you wouldn't have had to suffer so much. There should have been a there should have been a way <laughs> should have been a way to uh to guarantee that they drop it by by beating them in an interesting way. Right. But like maybe just like okay, one hundred percent from like maybe fifty or sixty percent, sure. Or maybe one hundred percent double drop, you know. 
It's just I'm, that percentage I'm, drops. I come from a monster hunter background, so I'm okay with with uh, grinding and oh yeah. Monster. I, I, it, it so okay. I, I play a lot of Kingdom Hearts and then like you know trying to get like that one drop yeah. of like Serenity Stones and stuff like. Ugh. I'm perfectly fine with with uh, percentage drops and likelihoods, especially because um, it depend. It really depends, but if. So far, they've shown a couple of new basic enemies. They've shown some other, like, bigger enemies, some bosses. They have the, the, the dragon um, that's on the bridge. They have the... Yeah, the Gliok. Yep. Yeah, they have the, the cube um, golem thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So all of that looks interesting. But uh, for basic enemies, we've got the Rededs, and we've got the um, the new big boss, Bakoblins, things. Right. And that's that's pretty much all that, that we've seen. If there's not a significant amount of new enemies... Uh, like I don't need every single one of these things dropping the same materials that that I'm going to be using. Like, I'm sure to have. I'm sure to have plenty. Like, I'm so sure it, for whatever it is that if if it's just these things so far, which I I actually hope they're not. Like, I'm I'm really expecting that they're just hiding more enemy variety. That was one of the biggest things people complained about oh, yeah, in definitely. Breath of the Wild. I'm I'm really hoping that the next gameplay. I I don't want story related stuff. You know, I don't even yeah. <laughs> honestly. I don't even care if they showed nothing at all. If they just mm. said, hey. There's dungeons. There could be a blurb on some websites like, okay, there's for sure dungeons. Like, you don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> right. I Like, I would love, like, mechanics and stuff yes. to be exposed. Explain, yeah. Like, if you don't want a uh, story, I 100%, like, agree with that. But, you know, I, I, I think what I think would be better, because I going off other RPGs I've played, if there's percentage drops, fine. Just no percentage spawn. How about that? <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, this only has a fifty percent chance of spawning, of spawning here. here. Yeah, and then and then on top of that, only fifty percent chance of dropping, of dropping it when you the find item, it. Yeah. I'm like, now one, okay, one or the other, one or the other, not both, please. So, yeah. What do you think about um, the seventy bucks price increase for the game? Oh, of course. You know, here's the thing. I've seen many people arguing for both sides, and I've read what Nintendo said about it, where it's like, oh, it's going to be, it's case by case. It's not the trend moving forward, and yada, yada, yada. Now, like, I am a big Nintendo fan. I am a gigantic Zelda fan, right? And I'm a fan of Nintendo as creators, as developers, not the biggest fan of Nintendo as a business, right? And a lot of people need to understand the separation of the two. And I've seen a lot of people like, oh, it's going to be worth it. Oh, this is a game we've been waiting for for so long. Oh, this, oh, that. Listen, and I love the Switch. I, like, as big as Tears of the Kingdom may be portrayed to be or whatever, there is no way that I will ever agree with Nintendo justifying a price tag of $70 for a Nintendo Switch game, all right? But people like to argue, but PS5 and Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series, this, uh, S or X, right? And I'm like, that is next generation, right? Blu-ray discs aren't cheap. You know, what they're, the fidelity that they're going for, the next step and evolution in how they present games and how they have games do this and that and blah, 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 blah. That is the compensation that I understand, you know, the, the SSD, the amount of RAM, all that stuff within the system in order to make a game like this run at like you know 1080p 60 fps or even 4k ten dollar increase i get it <laughs> i don't like it but i get it for switch 
absolutely not. But I mean, at the same, and then people's like, oh, I'll gladly play for this. I'll gladly pay for this. And it's at the point where I'm like, okay, listen, we can argue until the until the cows come home. Like, it's at a point where it's like, this is the first time they're doing something like this. It's Zelda. It's Tears of the Kingdom. Everyone's been waiting for this game, including me. Begrudgingly, I'm gonna have to pay. Like, obviously, like I'm gonna have to pay for that price tag. I don't like it, but I mean, like, I mean, not even that. Point. You're getting, you're getting the collector's edition, so you're getting. The, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> know, and I, I actually feel, I feel a little, a little bit better getting the collector's edition, mm, paying mm-hmm. for that price because I get all that other stuff like that. And it's like, oh, but I mean, the game's still ten dollars extra. I'm like, yeah, I don't like that, but people are gonna be paying it for it anyways because it's Zelda. It's tears, it's tears of the kingdom. It's very likely most people listening to this podcast, if they're gonna, if they're gonna get it, they're they're paying the extra ten dollars. Exactly. Like yeah. you're good. Like people, like you know, I've seen whispers about boycotting. I'm like, bro, like this you're that not ain't serious. gonna work. You're that not ain't serious. gonna work. First of all, you're not right? serious. That's <laughs> not gonna work. Yeah. Second of all, but like, okay, then, here's the thing. Here's my perspective yeah. on it. Um, games aren't priced what they're worth. Um, I like if games were priced what they're worth to me. Some games would be worth a lot more than seventy dollars, and some games would be priced a lot less than sixty dollars. Um, yeah, they're pr- they're priced not by not by their actual value. So I understand the um, some some crap game comes out on PS Five and that comes out for seventy dollars or something, and it's not something it's something I wouldn't pay five dollars for, you know. And then uh, uh, then something comes out for Nintendo and it's seventy dollars. And people are complaining about the extra price tag. It's like, okay, but if I was going to, if you, if you were going to ask me how much would I pay to get to play this game, like it, like what's actual value to me, it's probably a lot more than $70. If I was going to pay $60, I'm going to pay $70. And if, if, if you were going to ask me what's the what's the price you would pay if you had no choice but to pay uh, to play Elden Ring or, or Switch, it's, it's probably a lot more than what I did pay um, at the same time. You know, the Switch's lifespan is a lot longer. They... they yeah, they're doing this because they think they can get away with it. That's why they're doing it, and they can get. And away they're with gonna. It. They're, they're gonna, gonna get. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, gonna get away yeah. with it because I'm. I am gonna pay for it because it's worth a lot more than seventy dollars to me. Um, if if it's not worth more than seventy dollars to people, I I encourage them not to buy it. I encourage them to wait till it's on on sale. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nintendo doing a sale. Huh? Nintendo doesn't right. do sales, but but like maybe it's on a sale. Uh, you know, it'll get returned to GameStop at some point, and you can buy a used copy from GameStop, or you can buy a used uh, reseller key or something. Um, right. Pay pay what it's worth for you. If, if seventy dollars is too high for too rich for your blood, that's it. But like I, I think this whole dialogue is is like silly because the people who are gonna buy it are gonna buy it. Like they're gonna buy right. it, and I'm I'm one of those people, so I have no room to talk. But he, here's the thing: like it's it's not even for for me. It's not even like you know pay games what you're worth because I I I obviously believe in the like you know more bang for your buck. I mean like look Smash Bros ultimate so much content 60 bucks yeah right elden ring is the game that doesn't end and like you know wow <laughs> I, it's funny because like I, I i look at myself like wow i paid this much for a game like elden ring that's insane yeah right but not every developer ha- and not every uh not every developer and every publisher has that mindset so it's like incredibly erratic but then when you look at things like not only as a fan but also as a consumer right like if this practice obviously seems to work for the benefit of the company and not for the consumer, then one day it's going to be ten dollars. The next day it's going to be twenty dollars. The day after that it's going to be forty dollars. You know, in terms of price increase, right? And if people keep buying into this um, aspect, you know, how much like will developers realize they can get away with it and get away with when it comes to the consumers? Okay, right? but but here's the thing. It, um, I, it's not that I disagree with anything that you said. It's mm-hmm. just that 
okay, the reason that PlayStation 5 games and Xbox games are worth more is because they're, you know, they're, their hardware is strong. They can make more games, uh, more graphically um, impressive. Refined. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't pay for graphics, you know, like it. I, I partially of what, what my money comes from is, is a payment for graphics. But if I'm being honest, I'm surprised games have stayed as low as they have for as long as they have in terms of price. Inflation just keeps going up, you know, uh, the price of everything keeps increasing, but the the price of games have remained mostly static. Thanks to thanks in large part to the competition that they have to face for each other. So thank God that there's these companies that are always having to compete with each other because they would have increased their prices a long time ago. Um, if, if they weren't, uh, and you know, Xbox and PlayStation have already increased their prices for the next gen for their next gen games. Uh, Nintendo, there's no, there's no sign of a Switch, uh, two on the horizon. I don't think, right. I don't think there's anything about Tears of the Kingdom, that means it deserves less money than than some, random PlayStation Five title because the PlayStation Five title in theory, um, can have more pixels on the screen at once. Like I don't, I, I honestly could not give a fuck <laughs> about. But the, it's also not about pixels because like I, I agree with you is like I'm like when it comes to 4K. Like yeah. looking at all of the pores of the of you know of a character. Yeah. Like sure, I understand like the amount of pixels. Like I'm not paying for the amount of pixels, but at the same time, I am paying for uh game performance. That's true. Yeah. Like if 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 I'm paying seventy dollars and a game like Tears of the Kingdom, which I hope it doesn't, because it means built for the Switch specifically for the Switch. Yeah. This game is like dropping frames every other second. Then I'm like, mm. oh yeah, that's like yeah, I love Zelda, sure. but I need this to perform. Right. I need my frames. I need every single yeah. one of those frames. I am. I may not exactly. pay for like, pixels, I, like, but I am I, paying for exactly. frames. Exactly. I'm, I'm not paying for pixels, but I am paying for frames. Like, yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. No, I agree with you. So, like, hopefully, like, as ambitious as this game, this game is, like, I, I am, I am one hundred percent sure that you know, sure, begrudgingly seventy dollars, Nintendo believes so, uh, and if this game has the amount of content that I you know, think it has because like Breath of the Wild was already a gigantic game. And if Tears of the Kingdom is going to take that to a level beyond that and beyond that and beyond that, right? After having the game in my hands and then like, okay, I pay $70 for this. All right. Right. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, if Nintendo says it's not going to be a trend and if I'm going to believe them, then I'm like, okay, I, because I there it. are certain right. games on there that, that, you know, I'd happy play $70 for it. So, you know, Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. I'll pay $70 mm. for that. Uh, if Metroid Prime Four ever came, comes out, you know what? I'll pay two, I'll pay seventy dollars for that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, not not everything on it uh, I would be happy with. I'd be I'd be a lot less apologetic for, towards Nintendo if it was something other than this. Right. So like even in that sense, I'm not like like at the, at the end of the day when it comes to the ten dollar price increase, I'm not a fan. But when people say you know oh. Uh, I'll gladly play for it. Like it does rub me the wrong way because, like, right. I just don't want Nintendo to take this as <laughs> and run with justification. It. Yeah, with I it. do yeah. not want them to take. You don't want them to like, take they... the signal and it's like, all right, we can do this as many times as we fucking want. They'll keep yeah. paying for it because it's Zelda and it's Metroid and it's it's our you know the things that they love. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, and then people will be like, oh, what you're broke? It's like, no, I got the money for this. It's just that like, I hate when is... people do that shit. Like, I hate when they're like, oh, what? What are you broke? You need the extra ten dollars yeah. here. Let me give you. I was like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you paying exactly? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that one, this is for a, a Switch game, remind you. Yeah. And two, like, you know, at the same time, there's there's people 
that don't have the same amount of disposable income as everyone else. Yeah. So, like, you know, everyone should be able to play games, you know? Goodness. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah. There's one... There's one th okay. Latest trailer, you get an image of the person with the green hand grabbing the woman, uh, and the woman's, like, reaching out down to her and, and grabbing her hand. Yep. The person in the mural, the, the person with the green hand, is, I'm assuming, the same person. Do you think that it's the same person? And do you think that... I've seen a lot of people think that the person on the mural is Hylia and the person on the mural with her is Zelda. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you think the person on the mural is Hylia, the one with the hand? Um, the one with the hand and the one of like the, the lady reaching out in that one scene, uh, I believe this like, is a big, a long-winded thing because there's so many parts... There's so many like conjoining parts to this like mystery where I'm like, okay... It could be, it could, like, the person on the mural could be Hylia, and uh, it could be, like, a different tribe's own interpretation, uh, of Hylia. interpretation of Hylia, such as the Zonai, right? At the same time, it could be a Zonai goddess. It could be someone that is connected. What the heck? It could be someone that is connected to uh, Hylia, in which, like, oh, maybe, like, a sister goddess, because after... Skyward Sword, it, we got the introduction. At, like, not even Skyward Sword. After Majora's Mask, we got the uh, introduction of outlying goddesses that are outside of the three ancient golden goddesses, Daenerys and Feru. Uh, Feru. Uh, Zelda, like, Zelda insinuated that there's a goddess of time, which helps you out in Majora's Mask as you use the Ocarina of Time's power to, like, you know, repeat the three days. And then we got Hylia, who is a warden goddess uh, that is dispatched and commanded by the golden goddesses in order to guard the Triforce from demise. So there is, like, the existence of, like, multiple goddesses outside, uh, like, the outer ring or the lower ring from the three golden goddesses of power, wisdom, and courage. There okay, but, could, but in the trailer, what, who do you think who do you think is, is the person that's humanish and the person with the hand? I think the person that's humanish is the person on the mural. That okay. is not Hylia. Oh, I feel that this oh, is that's a, a... You're just turning everything on its head. Okay. Yeah, I feel that this is... A um, a Zonai goddess that is probably connected to Hylia, possibly a sister or another outlying warden. That's why I brought up that whole like you know idea of like multiple gods and whatnot. And that the green arm that's reaching out at this point is already links is already attached to Link. There's Link's arm okay. reaching you out. You think that's Link? And, okay. Yeah, and like forming a pact with this goddess. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. And that the original aspect of that big green arm that before it joins with Link from the first uh, trailer is that. This could be an envoy, a uh, offshoot, a worldly apparition that is, you know, part of that goddess that was meant to, like, hold down Ganondorf, right? And that by joining up with Link, where Zelda's like, please lend him your power, you know, that arm is, like, you know, an interpretation, a representation, a physical manifestation of the power of this goddess, and that in this scene, Link is, like, you know, making the pact is like oh i shall lend your power in order to like take down ganondorf and that that's what i think so i also agree with you that it's not i don't think that the person on the mural is hylia either i don't think mm -hmm. that's hylia uh, i think that this is a new game i think it's going to be a new character i think they're going to introduce new things on here um i think that the speculation that, pe that people have been running with has been very backward looking uh, you know, let's let's take all the existing lore and uh, mix it together and see what we can come up with. And that's fun, but I really don't think that that, that is the direction that Tears of the Kingdom is going to go. I think that it, it wants to do something new. 
it wants to do and new things require new characters so i also think that it's a new un um unrepresented goddess at this point or entity that we haven't seen yet the only oh, absolutely the only reason why i think that maybe it could be hylia there's like one bit of evidence that maybe it could be hylia is that demise says at the end of skyward sword that zelda does not look like hylia at all like that hylia right. used to be beautiful she had a strong and powerful unique look um mm -hmm. and that hylia and that zelda doesn't look anything like it uh and so it's like huh that makes that makes sense so if this this thing was Hylia, you know, it definitely looks very much different than than what Zelda typically looks like. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Right. Uh, I still I still don't know, think so. I still don't think so. But but that right. is that is a point of evidence in that direction. Exactly, and a lot of people use uh, the final shot within the previous trailer where like this goddess is like you know joining hands with who seems to be Zelda. It's like oh, this representation of like you know Hylia becoming Zelda and that they're they're intertwined and blah blah blah. Uh, I believe that at this point in the with the mural, uh, considering that the mural represents what seems to be malice and the forces of moblins like going against like you know these humanoid entities. I feel like the point of Hylia becoming Zelda has long passed in which that Zelda at this point is already represented as Hylia and that their yes. hands are connected by like, oh, this goddess is connected to Hylia. But yes. since they can't use Hylia, they have to use who Hylia became and that's Zelda. Mm. So that's what I that's what I'm going off of. Yeah. OK, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think I think I think that's along long lines of what I was thinking. Mm hmm. I remember seeing a lot of older um, theories back when we had, knew a lot less talking about how uh, they think that the Sheikah technology was powered by the green uh, magic that comes from the arm. Like that was a popular uh, thought process. What do you think of that? Uh, I honestly don't think it's powered like the, the green magic. Like I don't think the Sheikah well, that, is powered that, that, by the green magic. The, the theory that I saw was like the, the green magic arm is siphoning Ganondorf's power away from him and using it to power Sheikah tech. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I forgot who made that one, but I've seen that one. Um, I don't think it's along those lines. I feel that there are three main power sources within the Legend of Zelda that they're going for for Tears of the Kingdom. And it's like the power sources that are relation are in relation to the three virtues, power, wisdom, and courage, uh, right? Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. Yeah, that was ex mm -hmm. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going. But go yeah, ahead, finish, finish your thought. Yeah. yeah. And this green magic is obviously, you know, an energy source being powered by, you know, courage. And what we've seen in Tech with that blue essence, the blue yeah. flames is powered by the power of wisdom. And then malice in itself is just a mangled, messed up, twisted version of the power source of power yeah right? color, colors and, are often important in, in the Zelda series so the fact that there's oh, these yeah. three different um power ver source virgins uh, i think is telling mm -hmm. uh but that that's that's what i'm going in you know thinking about uh that that we're probably gonna get more on the idea of like powerism and courage uh and how it plays a focal role within Tears of the Kingdom because we didn't really get a lot of that in breath of the wild I found one of the most interesting parts of Breath of the Wild's original story um, was the fact that, okay, so Calamity Ganon has been a thing forever, like way before they even found a way to deal with him. Like uh, he would come back every once in a while, then the hero would, would fight him off. And it happened enough times that they noticed the pattern and they're like, hey, this keeps happening. Uh, and so the Sheikah with the, had built up a, enough 
enough technology that's like, all right, since we see that this keeps happening, we can try and predict when it's going to happen. We can prepare the hero. We can prepare the princess. We can we can keep uh, we can build an army of robots and an army uh, and and four divine beasts to like blast away at him and keep the hero safe while we you know we can uh, automatize the process. You know we can control this force of nature that keeps coming after us uh, with technology. We can control nature with technology. Um, and and deal with it. And the funny thing is that it works. It ends up working. Uh, uh, the first time, you know, the 10,000 year old, uh, 10,000 year story that they tell you in the beginning of the game, it works that time. And then the Sheikah lose their technology. Uh, they, they, what is it? They get banished by the King. He doesn't like the fact they have all this technology. He thinks that they're a threat to the kingdom. And then, uh, they find that Calamity Ganny's coming back. So they try and re rapidly refine the, the resources, try to rapidly do it. it. It messes up. They can't, they can't do it. Ganondorf takes possession of all the all the divine beasts, takes control of all the um, guardians. I I think that story is interesting, and I there was always things missing. Why can he so easily take control of, of the things that were built to destroy him? You know, there's always like little questions, and I really think that uh, Tears of the Kingdom is going to like answer not only answer them well, they're just going to answer them perfectly, and and make this whole thing. Uh, I I just really have a big expectation for Tears of the Kingdom. Really want want to see where they go with it very big and i don't blame you 100 percent because like breath of the wild set the bar really really high mm -hmm. right so like hopefully we'll get something like really interesting in terms of uh the the clarification because as much as as much lore we got in breath of the wild quote unquote there was still a lot of clarification needed mm -hmm. in terms of what's going on with tears of the kingdom and then like tears of the kingdom it's time and that's one of the aspects that a lot of people you know uh, I, I don't want to say didn't like, but thought was like a um, uh, enough to be a slight against the game. And if Nintendo being Nintendo, they would, you know, like capitalize on uh, fixing that, you know, or uh, making it better within Tears of the Kingdom. So like the like I said before in the stream, the air of mystery in Breath of the Wild, that, that's over. Right. <laughs> now I need answers yeah. in Tears of the Kingdom. Like that's it's answer. Time. It's answer time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we'll get we'll get those. Okay, I'm mindful of your time. Uh, we're hitting the two hour mark here, so I think uh, that's everything. Unless there was something you wanted to comment on. Oh no, I'm I'm good. This was like a lot of fun, and I I feel we got a lot of points out there. Yeah, this was a great podcast. Uh, I want to thank you, MHK. Uh, you're the first Zelda content creator to come on my podcast. You know, I I don't have that much of a pedigree in this space yet, mm -hmm. so I really appreciate you uh, coming on and taking a chance. Oh, no, of course, of course. It was a lot of fun, and thank you so much for reaching out. Yep, no problem. This has been the Yggdrasil Podcast. Thank you all very much for coming.